0: It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of The Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. If you would like to subscribe, you can go to www.theagship.com, and you can subscribe at the free tier, the $6 tier, or the $10 tier. Those are monthly. Uh, $6 tier gets you all of the written stories. The $10 tier gets you, uh, in addition to those written stories, which would be the cover story, notebooks, previews, Uh, All that good stuff. You also get the film stories, uh, as well as the monthly Q&A, which we're going to be recording later this week, I promise. I know I've said that a couple (laughs) times, but it's going to be later this week. Uh, I think we're finally going to have some time to sit down and actually do that. There has been, I'll tell you... Uh, low on time, the last the last uh, however many days it has been since November started, a lot. It feels like it's been a lot. I don't think it's actually been that many, but uh, that is coming soon. Again, that website is www. Um I am joined here to talk about Utah State's 41 to 24 victory over Nevada, as well as some basketball results. With co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man?
1: What is up, Patrick? Um... You know what? I had to actually look down at my laptop when mm. you were joking about what day it was, oh, and yeah. to my surprise, it is November thirteenth. That yeah. I I wouldn't have even guessed that. Um, it's been it's been an awesome November. Um, lots going on. We this is the best time of the year, but it's also the time of year where my brain is just short circuiting yeah. um, at any given moment. So, uh, yeah, we have plenty to talk about: uh, football, basketball, and then more basketball. Oh yeah, and. It's, it's a great it, it's a great time to be an aggie fan there's there's just so much going on um yeah yeah lots to get to and and of course it's uh it's another late night recording so who knows <laughs> who i'm warned. gonna come up with um <laughs> did you know that ike larson one time picked off tom brady uh, that's that later on the show parker yeah. gets every quarterback wrong um, stay tuned <laughs> stay tuned for that yeah, so, yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm excited. Everybody
0: remembers that time that Ike Larson <laughs> picked off Joe Montana in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how how can you not remember that? that I mean, we were all there. It was an yeah, amazing yeah, play. Yeah, damn it. At yeah. Death Valley, it was awesome. It was so fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on. Uh we are we are haggard, but we are here um my voice is getting better i i it was it was in a bad spot the last time we recorded it is still i'm not at full strength folks but we're playing through uh, we're playing through the pain a little bit, and um, we're uh, we're going to finish the drill. We're going to finish the season strong. <laughs> um, we have uh, we were joking about this before we started recording, but I think that this is true. And Blake Anderson said as much in the post game press conference, which I appreciated. Uh, we have a normal game to talk about. We have an on <laughs> we have an actual just regular normal football game. Not a ton of strangeness happening. Not a ton of of you know unforeseen horrors, no, no, you know, nothing supernatural going on, just a regular football game, just a normal win for the Aggies. And I think that that's probably where we can jump in here. Uh, I said it earlier, Utah State 41, Nevada 24. It was very much just normal. Uh, You know, the, the, the way that they got to that score was a little bit different. Nevada had a a two-point conversion, successfully converted early on in the fourth quarter, and then did not convert a second one to get to 24. Um, But that's a regular score. That registers to me as a football score. I'm not, you know what, if I see 41-24, and I don't see the logos next to the teams, and I see this box score, I think, yeah, a normal team did that. That looks like something that a normal team would do. Um, Utah State has not been that all season. But for one glorious Saturday, Utah State was, I think, totally normal. Just... The better team um, showed up, was the better team, scored on its first drive, uh, took a 10-point lead in the second quarter, uh, went into the half up by 14, and then went ahead by 24 in the third quarter and closed it out. It was comfortable. It was really never... It was really never in any serious danger. It didn't feel like Utah State was, I think, pretty dominant against a bad team. Um, did what it was supposed to do, and is now Aggies are now one win away from bowl eligibility. They have, you know, we said coming out of the bye week, we said going into the bye week, even after the loss to San Jose State, that the season could really go one of two ways. It, it could, it could spiral on them really quick after a loss like that. And I will say, not completely. They're not absolved entirely of their loss at San Jose State, but as we're going to talk about in a little bit, San Jose State's got some got some stuff going on. It, it makes me think that that Utah State is not ter- is not you know entirely responsible for the fact that it lost that game. I think San Jose State might be a little bit better than they seemed at the time. Um, and by a little bit, I mean I think San Jose State might win the Mountain <laughs> West. <laughs> yeah, they they have some juice. Yeah, they've they got some juice. They've got some juice, but. We said uh, in that bye week, you know, it could go one of two ways. It could spiral, or they could win the winnable games that were on their schedule in the last month of the season, and get their way to to a bowl game, and Utah State has two chances to get one win. It would love to get two. Uh, Utah State would love to finish the regular season 7-5 and with a rivalry win over Boise State at home this weekend for Senior Day, and then a road trip win uh, at, at New Mexico to end the season, the regular season, but... Aggies just need one to get to a bowl game. They have taken care of business now against San Diego State, against Nevada, two teams that they should beat. It was not always pretty. It was a lot prettier on Saturday than it was the Saturday prior. Um, but they're here. They're five and five. They 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 took care of business. I think they looked convincing this Saturday specifically. They did what they were supposed to do and they they dispatched uh Nevada pretty, pretty comfortably.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This was I mean, it was as normal a game, you know, <coughs> as normal as a game can be with a big man touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and some of the other uh, some of the other weird things that were happening. Uh, this is one. Yeah, it, it looks normal. You look a little bit closer. There's some weird stuff going on because it was kind of two weird teams. You mentioned Utah State's been weird all year. Um, Nevada has has also, I think, had uh, a weird team with a weird track record. Of course, yeah. an F- FCS loss, losing to yeah, blowout. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. Not even yeah. showing up against Idaho and then kind of pulling things together late. And then, and then just kidding. We're, we're not pulling things together. We're bad again. Yeah. Um, kind of two weird teams clashing yeah, for, there. Oh, and of course. Yeah. Utah State getting to five and five, which not exactly where I thought they would be and certainly not the way I thought they would get here. Yeah. Um, but there we are. And a yeah. chance to become bowl eligible, uh, like you said, really, really hoping to get to seven and five kind of guarantees that, that winning record you always know going in six and six if you lose that bowl game you suddenly are six and seven that's what happened last year and it seems a lot more disappointing even though you're ball eligible so you really want to avoid that Um, I mean you still have an opportunity to get to eight wins with that bowl game there's there's still a lot this season is very much intact even if some of those goals are uh, are less so but uh, yeah solid win I think there was a lot of good there were some things that uh, hopefully you can help me understand, Patrick. But I think for the most part, it was uh, the better team showed up, and the the Utah State that we know and love, rather than the one that we know and we don't love, mm-hmm. showed up. Uh, yeah. th- these guys showed up; they were ready to play. Kind of got a really good performance from the guys that we we were expecting to, with with just a few notable exceptions. But uh, this was this was really a good, a great way to spend a, a Saturday afternoon in, in Logan. It was a great home win, good environment, um, and yeah, it just it just felt. It felt normal again. It felt like we had our boys back. It felt it felt good.
0: Yeah, they they were um, like I said. They they just they took care of business. They did what they needed to do. They were work- yep. been like. It was. There were moments where it was sloppy. There were a lot of penalties. We're going to talk about the penalties. Um, but Utah State, I thought, really just kind of enforced its will on a team that it should have done that to, and 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 right. you know looked stable. They're stable. I think that I can say they that. Yeah, I will they, say they that. They That's are. a compliment. There are a lot of unstable football teams this time of year. It's a really easy time to become unstable in college football. Um, to just be doing what you should be doing and and winning the games that you should win in November is usually a really good sign it means that your team right. is still together it means that you are improving appropriately because you will play teams that are also improving um and uh yeah they're, they're they're they've they've taken care of business uh now twice in a row um i had something i was oh i remember uh you mentioned the long term like the season goals the, the the one that is out of reach and trust me i checked i spent <laughs> i spent like a half hour last night <laughs> On one yeah. of the the tiebreaker sites, where you can figure out exactly what is possible in a conference, like with with the results left on the table and everything, you can figure out who can do what. Um, I I believe with thirty minutes of of pretty extensive research, which means picking every single game in both both directions and seeing how it impacts the standings um, for the next two weeks in the Mountain West. I am. I'm pretty sure that Utah State cannot compete for the Mountain West Championship. I don't think there's a path for that to happen unless I just missed something. I don't think it's possible um, because Air yeah, Force has I... the tie break, Fresno State has the tie break, San Jose State has the tie break, um, and all three of those teams are ahead of Utah State. And I don't think that there is a path where two of them would be below Utah State that would not also include uh, like UNLV being up there in in one right. of those spots or you know. Uh, I think it would be, I think it would be UNLV, but it's, it's presumably yeah. going to be one of those four, or if things go wrong for, for Utah state this weekend, Boise state could also still, I think be involved in that, but Utah state is not, I don't think Utah state can win the mountain West. It can win eight games. It can go to a bowl game. It can do that stuff. That would be a good season. Um, but I checked, I
1: don't think that that goal is still intact. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure. I yeah so you know I think you're right I looked as well not as closely as you did I I think you're right I I do have a couple things about that though one the fact that you're even looking at that at this point in the season after the past couple weeks that we had is insane mm-hmm. and it just shows that the Mountain West is just upside down yeah crazy the, the mountain it, it's west a lawless den of anarchy that's yeah it just is chaos the mountain west um, has lost
0: control of its of its um its motor function a little bit the last couple of it weeks.
1: is <laughs> it's out mountain westing itself the the things, past week things have it gotten is, a little bit out of hand
0: in the mountain west yeah. i would say <laughs> when the
1: mountain west turns to the mountain west and says hold my beer yeah buckle up it's yeah. about to get weird uh and that's that's what happened this week we will get into that of course at the at the end of the show when we look around Um, So that's the first note. The fact that we're even looking at that is crazy. The other thing is, honestly, uh, and I'm saying this more as a Mountain West fan than a Utah State fan, which is not where my allegiance lies necessarily, but do you really want a five loss team in your Mountain West, you know, representing your conference in the championship? Probably not. No, probably not. a a team with three conference losses Representing your your conference in the championship is probably a bad thing. That probably yeah. means other teams in the conference um, have have fallen off in a major way. I would love for Utah State to play in the championship, even with three losses in the conference, even with five lo- uh, losses overall. Yeah, but it's probably bad for the conference. It's it's also not possible. If it is possible, it's an ex it's it's an extremely yeah. slim. Like maybe there's one obscure way that it gets there. It's not even worth exploring if it exists because yeah. it's, it's not going to happen. That's not, that's not a goal for Utah state that, that we're uh, eligible for. There are yeah. good teams in the conference that just flat out deserve that more than we do. And I hate saying that, but you know what? We had a chance against air force. We had a chance against Fresno against San Jose, San Jose state, we've lost too many games i think to to really be worthy of that and that that's fine we still have a great season ahead of us if we can win out so yeah yeah that 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 goal is not really intact but playing in a bowl game is not only intact that that is the expectation at this point in the season um only a a mild disaster would put us outside of bowl eligibility i think you you expect with five wins at this point in the season six wins um, in two games left you expect to be or with five wins now you expect to be at six wins in two weeks i think that is that is the yeah. whole expectation of this team the fan base everybody around the program yeah uh, that's the expectation
0: yeah i mean folks new mexico is on the schedule come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think yeah. six is a reasonable expectation at this point. Um yeah. I think seven would not be that unfair to, to hope for. Um we're gonna talk about that on, you know, the later week uh show. But um yeah, I that's <laughs> that's fair, especially with, with all of the <clears throat> the change that is happening around college football and with I think the Mountain West probably wanting to put a pretty good foot forward as it maybe goes into a significant off season of trying to yeah. attack trying to attract two specific programs that it would really like to add to its membership um uh, it would be <laughs> i think it would be good to have two pretty clearly good teams with good recognizable records in the, in the in the Mountain West Championship game and yeah. not like 7 and 5 San Jose State against 7 and 5 Utah State that probably wouldn't be the best <laughs> the best you know uh image to set as you go and try to recruit Oregon State and Washington State which like they don't have a whole lot of other offers, right? I don't know that there's, it's <laughs> – they, Yeah, they're not they, five-star recruits. Yeah, it's I, just, I, think, I think it's going to – yeah, they're getting, they're getting JUCO offers. they got some, some FCS teams interested. But, like, <laughs> I, you know, it's not going to be that hard of a recruitment. But it would still probably be a little bit easier. Um, and you could probably uh, not have to give them 80% of the revenue to get them to join if you can say, right. yeah, look, we had two 10-2 teams in the conference championship. You're not that big a fish in a small pond. It's not that far off. Right. Like Fresno State has been competitive with those teams before. Air Force has been competitive. Like you can do that. It's a little bit harder right. to to sell when you're saying. Yeah, I don't look at that conference championship game. That's none of your concern. That was just you know, yeah. it's just some weird stuff happened. It,
1: a little look bit, at what this team did yeah. in week three instead. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad pitch. Yeah, a little bit um,
0: easier to say. Hey, look at this awesome UNLV team. That's that's you know in the conference yeah. championship game playing against a you know a stalwart program like like Fresno State or Air Force. That's a little bit easier to sell. Yeah.
1: Then I'd, you know. I'd also add quickly. You know, as we're getting distracted from our own game here, I'd also mm. add when they when they went away from divisions. Uh, and decided to just have the two best teams play in in the championship game. It was no secret at the time. I, I listened to an interview with John Hartwell, who was the, the AD at the time at Utah State, um, basically saying, look, the the point of this is we want our best teams playing, and then we want our best team to win, and then we want our best team to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, that yeah. That was the goal of this, um, or not? maybe not the, the sole goal, um, it was up there lone goal but it was it was definitely a it was not an afterthought this was very intentional they want to put the best team in the league on a bigger stage and and give them the best opportunity to play in the mountain and in, in the new year's six bowl so yeah mountain west really wants to put itself in a position to win um and, and this might be a news flash utah state's not going to a new, a new year's six bowl this year not gonna happen that, sorry that I, I, take, I wish i wish yeah.
0: That, that would take quite the cl- the confluence of events. I think a lot would have to go wrong for that to happen. <laughs> not, yeah. not necessarily at Utah State, but everywhere else. In the rest of the world, I think a lot right. would have to go yeah. wrong. Um, yeah. I don't know if I want to wish that on, <laughs> on the rest yeah. of the college football on world. The,
1: on the country, yeah. Yeah, something, has, something terrible half, has Half happened. the country would have to get the James Madison treatment. <clears> somehow,
0: and yeah.
1: That yeah. is not a fate that I would wish upon anyone. No, that would not be good. That
0: would make for a very weird couple of months. Um, <laughs> all right, so... As for Let's get into the, it. yeah, as yep. for this football game, I think that the person, the player, to probably start with here, the guy who really led the way for Utah State. Um, in general, I thought it was a pretty pretty good performance from the offense. I thought the line played really well, which is which is worth mentioning. I thought this was probably the best game right. the line has played in a pretty long time. Um, they're right. still switching some things up there. Teague Anderson was playing at center. I thought he handled it well. Um, But the guy who stood out, the guy whose stats stand out, and who really kind of took this one on his shoulders when Utah State needed reliable yards, needed some big plays, he delivered two really big runs, that would be Rasul Faison. Uh, a career high, 22 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown. I'm going to pull the exact stat because um, the SID Doug Hoffman pulled it and I was I was shocked. About how long it has been since this has happened, since the the last the last high. It was like the most rushing yards in a game for Utah State since X. Um, and I want to find. He put it out. Let me see. Um, yeah, that's the most. 181 yards in a game is the most by an Aggie since Devontae May rushed for 208 yards against Weber State in 2016. That's crazy. Wow. That's a really
1: long time. That's seven seasons ago. Um, wow. That is yeah. A, yeah, that is a very long time. That's a long time with, um, I know that 2018 offense that I, I won't shut up about yeah. was a little bit more pass heavy, but that that was a prolific team for, for really a couple of years, 2018 into 2019, a little bit. Um, there were some dudes on that team. Like that's a long time for a team that's been very good throughout that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that part of it is that there is a pretty long running now. Um, I don't know that tradition would be the right word, but it, there have been a lot of running back by committee rooms at Utah state in, in recent That's years. True. It's, it's yeah. a pretty common thing last year. There wasn't quite as much of that because Calvin Tyler took, took a lot of the load, but like Robert Briggs was still playing a decent amount. Um, 2021 was kind of the same deal with the, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just Calvin Tyler um, and, and you know, this is—it's not like when you think about it a little bit further. It's not a huge surprise because they do. It's rare that Utah State has a hand so hot at running back that they just ride him for most of the game. And and Utah State did give, did have some carries for Robert Briggs, who played well. I, I thought eleven carries for sixty nine yards. He was solid as well. Um, notably, no Davon Booth here. Um, just wasn't available. Uh, but Faison takes the takes the charge here and and really on the 22 carries, which is not a ton. It's not like, you know, workhorse up over a 30 was not just like he was getting the ball every time they dropped back. um, yeah. But he just, he, he did a lot with them. He had the 46-yard run. I think he had a 43-yard run. And then beyond that still, he was just efficient. He was grinding out yards. He was getting four or five yards. I, I thought he looked like a in another system where they don't have three really good running backs, he looked like a true number one. He looked like a guy who could absolutely carry the load if Utah state needed him to. And, and in this game, they did kind of need him to, and he was, he was excellent. He's, he, he's really, really, really good. He's, he's getting better even than he was at the beginning of the year. And he was good at the beginning of the year. He's just, he's a really good player.
1: Yeah, he, he is. And this is something we called out as we kind of looked at this game. We were, we, we kind of said mostly you, Patrick, you were kind of talking about how this is probably a game where you get all three uh, running backs involved, but if you have a hot hand, you're going to ride it. Uh, and that's exactly what happened here with Faison I think is he just, he just was running the ball in a way that you just couldn't take it away from him. Um, even, even as the game kind of got out of hand and even as Robert Briggs showed that he was also, I mean, Robert Briggs was great. He had 11 carries for 69 yards averaging 6.3. That's a, that's a really, really good night for Briggs. Yeah. um. And even with that, you just can't take the ball from Faison. Uh, you mentioned that Booth didn't play, and I'm not, I'm not sure why he he was not in. Um, so you also weren't splitting three ways. You were just kind of splitting between the two. Uh, but, I mean, he was running in a way that you just couldn't take the ball away from him. He was prolific. He looked so good. He he looked probably – I mean, the stats spread this out. This was probably the best we've seen of Faison all year. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very good.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was excellent in the offense, I think, really – Uh, Kind of built on that, Uh, you know, his success on the ground was able to create more things for everybody else and and was able to to make the passing game a little bit easier. Wasn't a huge day through the air for Utah State didn't really need to be a huge day. Um, I'll, I'll also mention on the ground, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him through the air as well, but, uh, Cooper Lagat 10 carries for 45 yards, only had the one sack. Uh, and, and, so it was really nine for 48, essentially. Um, that's great. That's a really good day for him on the ground. You know, he's not going to be, he's not, uh, <laughs> he's not going to be the leading rusher or anything like some of the teams that Utah state has played recently with the quarterbacks yeah. leading the way. Yeah. But if Cooper's given you nine carries for 48 yards, that's great. That's really solid. That's That means he's, you know, more often than not, and this was the case here, means he's moving the chains on third and short. It means that he's not throwing into heavy coverage. He's just, you know, tucking the ball and running it. He's getting the yards that he needs to get. Uh, he's making good decisions. They're, they're involving him in the option game. It's not a huge part of the offense, but it can be a bigger part of the offense, and it, it was here, um, that, that helps when you have a, you know, when you have a quarterback who can be a threat like that, it does it gives the defense, another guy to worry about, especially when your running backs are playing as well as these two were, um, there was a lot of room for him to work. And I, I thought he did a good job of taking advantage of it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think really what you're seeing here is almost a compromise between, uh, between the way that Cooper plays and the way he's built to play the way he's played his entire life. Um, and the way that that Blake Anderson wants to coach a game. Um, Blake Anderson I mean he probably ran more than Blake would like but it was productive he was not sacked he was he was doing it in a very very smart way. Um, I Blake is more of a he, he doesn't like his quarterbacks running. he likes him to sit in the pocket spread the ball out um, but that's what Cooper does. Cooper is an extend a drive kind of guy he can scramble. This was this was really really good I think it was um, one of, you know, at least on the ground, as we're, as we're mentioning now, is was probably the purest form of Cooper. He was running maybe a little bit more than you'd like him to, but he wasn't putting himself in danger. He was being very, very smart about it. He was like, you said, he was converting, um, a lot. It was, it was really, really a good balanced game on the ground between, um, you know, Faison and Briggs and then Cooper being able to, to move those changes with his feet when he needs to, uh, which is a, a really, if you're going to be playing Cooper, like God, that is. Yeah. That's what makes Cooper so good. And when you take that away from Cooper, uh, he you're taking away one of the things that makes Cooper, Cooper. Yeah. And he, you know, he's, his arm is fine, but his arm versus, you know, McKay's arm, we don't have to get into that too much right now, but like it's McKay has a, has a really accurate arm. Yeah. But what Cooper can do on the ground, he has a very high IQ. He's really slippery for, for a guy, his size. And, you know, he doesn't seem athletic. He doesn't, I don't think he's fast. Um, but he's very good. He's quick. Uh, yeah, he's vulnerable. he's he's, he is, he's he is quick. he's quicker than
0: he is fast. and also this is gonna sound it's not this is not gonna sound like a traditional compliment, but i it, I say it as a compliment. um he doesn't get hurt very often. He's not like <laughs> like, yeah, like, like from yeah, he's yeah. had he's had some concussion problems, um you know, and and like last year, obviously that held him out from a couple games. but like he's he's you know he's pretty well built they talk on on every single broadcast you know for every game that he has ever played they of course talk about how he was a you know a high school <laughs> wrestling champion right? right like like that's yeah. you know that's just part of the cooper lore at this point but like yeah he he can take a hit and you would prefer your quarterback not get a hit a ton but when he does get hit it's usually not a huge concern that he's going to get back up he usually does and and, and mm-hmm. he is he has the body that he can withstand those hits if they come he's good at avoiding them but you're not like it's it's not the kind of thing where with some quarterbacks, when they run or when they're outside of the pocket, you're just kind of gritting your teeth and you're like, oh, please, right. please yeah. don't let him get hit. Please don't let him get hit. He has glass bones and paper skin. It's not going to go well. Um, with Cooper, it's not really, that's not really a huge concern. Like, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's a big boy. He can handle it. He can take a hit and get back up. And he did that a couple times in this game where he, he did get, he got hit a couple times pretty hard. And for a second, you're like, oh, that was a really big hit on the quarterback. And he just pops right <laughs> yeah. back up. It's like, okay, I guess he's fine. <laughs> I guess he's and I guess he's all right. He's he's um he's hardy. He's a hardy quarterback. He can he can handle it.
1: Yeah, he is. I was gonna say there there's kind of a long standing debate in uh in sports um about whether or not the you know, being injury prone is really on a player. Like, is that really a skill to not be injury prone? Is it a talent? Um with with cooper i mean and i think there's no right answer to that that's why people won't stop talking about it for years and yeah. years and years um with cooper i think it's both i think it's the way that he has built his body and you know over the years he's strong he's very very healthy he's in shape he plays in a you know he is smart like when he runs uh, he takes some big hits but he's smart about it i i do think there's there's a little bit of of skill i mean some of it is just that he's he's a bouncy tough kid you know yeah. like that's just part of part of the way he's born but Um, but yeah, credit to him for just being able to stay healthy. I think he deserves at least some credit for it. Um, I'd also add, I, the only game that I have, um, this season, at least that he's had more attempts is Colorado state. And I think that's a little bit misleading. I I don't know that they were, um, in in the Colorado state game, I have him at 13 carries for negative 20 yards. Yeah. I, I think there were more, I mean, that game was very, very different. You were going up against, um, uh what's the defensive player um kamara uh, muhammad um kamara yeah mo kamara mo, uh, yeah yeah mo kamara he, he didn't play the whole game but like they, they are a very good there. yeah they're very good at getting to the, the quarterback and i think it's more scrambles in that game I, I, in terms of I, I, and at this point i'm just making stats up because uh-huh. i'm lying versus you know what i'm actually looking at i would say this is probably the most attempts he's actually had on the ground um honest true attempts and he, he did a great job on the
0: me, I'm gonna try and pull that up because PFF does a really bad job of tracking scrambles, but I'm gonna see if they have maybe successfully backed their way into having the correct number
1: for him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really hard stat. That's why I'm just making stuff up yeah. on this podcast yeah. because it's late at night, <laughs> because I can, and because it is a tough stat to track. Um, but yeah, I mean, even against Iowa State, he had like six. Yeah, he had like six carries. That's not a lot, and that's a game that we won by a lot. He was in for for a good chunk. Yeah, um, he he has not run the ball a lot this season, is my point.
0: Yeah, they have him. PFF has him at twelve scrambles on the season: five against Fresno State, two against Colorado State, uh, two against UConn, zero in this game. I don't know about that, but um, yeah, yeah, none of that it's, sounds it's, super it's correct. Re- it's, but <laughs> it's, I'm gonna, I'll go, I'll cut him some slack. It's hard to identify sometimes if a quarterback is scrambling or if it's a designed totally, run. Yeah. It's sort of by nature sometimes; those are supposed to be. You're not really supposed to be able to tell if you're, you know, a defense that's going up against a guy, um, and so I don't, uh, I don't, but be- I don't begrudge them too much for for not knowing yeah, that yeah, yeah, that's fair. he d- that's it was fair. not it, there were more design runs here and a little bit less of him just running for his life. Um, yeah, yeah, and it uh, looked
1: good. It looked very good when he
0: yeah. when he was running. Yeah, I'll I'll my last thing on this, and I'll just this is another getting in the weeds for something we probably don't need to get in the weeds for, but I want to mention it. Cause this is something that I have actually, I think I've actually written about this before in another life. Um, falling the, a good way is a skill for a football player, knowing how to fall, falling, the, sure. yeah, falling yeah. the right way, not uh, injuring yourself while you're going down. Um, and I, I would know this firsthand, not just from writing the story, but from uh, when I was a middle school basketball player going back to trying to defend a fast break And my legs did not go with me and I fell backwards and I did not fall the correct way. As it turns out, you're not supposed to use both of your hands to try and catch your fall when you're falling backwards at full speed. And Parker, I did break both of my wrists at the same time. (laughs) And so I will tell you... Uh, with firsthand experience, Cooper Lagat is much better at falling than I am. He's so much better at it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't. Uh, he's not trying to catch himself with both of his wrists while he's falling down. He just falls. He usually does it a good way. That's a compliment. It's a. It's a skill to fall correctly. He does. He doesn't. He doesn't cause yeah, any more damage is, to himself than he needs to.
1: <laughs> so catch catch the power rankings this week on the yakship ship. The, uh, the the falling power rankings. Number one is Cooper Lega. Huge gap. Number two is Patrick Maymore. It's not. It's not. Competitive. And it's only those two. It's not competitive.
0: Thankfully, I don't have to fall much anymore. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not out here falling a ton. I'm not good yeah. at it. Not a skill that I ever honed. <laughs> not, well, uh, well Cooper best. has. Did you know that?
1: Did you know that Cooper was a uh, three-sport athlete in high school? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm hearing this for the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah, this. Is, you might not know this, but he was a state champion in uh, wrestling and track and field, where he threw the javelin mm. and in football. So yeah he, uh, yeah a really, well, and, uh, all-around athlete yeah and i hear that it's really hard to win a wrestling championship
0: in utah you know all those tough kids yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's just and if yeah. they if they
1: had state <laughs> competition in falling he probably would have won that too. probably would have won that
0: too right yeah i hear they're working on that at the high school level they're <laughs> working to bring that along um as for his his game as a passer like i said earlier it was a little bit quiet 18 of 33 it for 182 was, yeah. yards three touchdowns two interceptions um the first interception i really don't i can't really blame him for it, it just it, no, it yeah. was deflected at the line i couldn't tell on the replay if it bounced off of a, an offensive lineman's helmet or if it was deflected because i was at home sick not at the game um, and the TV broadcast was, for whatever reason, totally incapable of showing a replay of the play that they were talking about. <laughs> they were just yeah. like, it was like, here's yep. the cameraman's feet or something like that. Um, <laughs> while we try to break down. We've this had plan. better.
1: Yeah. yeah, we've had better broadcasts. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell on that one either. It really, regardless, it's it's. It was one of those plays. on Cooper. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it
0: hit something at the line and bounced up. You can't yeah. really. It happens. It, it's this. The second yeah. one. The second interception was not good. The second interception was not a good throw. Um, it, was, it just kind of sailed on him and, and went a little bit too far inside, and the safety picked it. But the first one I, I don't really blame him for. I think in general, as a passer, he was fine. Um, Nevada did a pretty good job of limiting Utah State's downfield passing game for the most part. Um, they really, really did not want Jalen Royals to get the ball. He only had three receptions yep. for 27 yards. That was like, I mean, they were doubling him pretty much every single time. They had a safety shadowing him, and then they had their number one cornerback on him. We talked going into the game about picking your poison with these wide receivers. They picked theirs. They didn't, they were not going to let it be Jalen Royals. Um, <laughs> yeah, for most yeah. of the game, they weren't going to let it be Terrell Vaughn and that's all good and fine. The issue is there are three receivers on this Utah State team who can really, really hurt you. And this time around, when you pick Vaughn and Royals, which I think is an understandable decision to make, a lot of teams have yeah, done that. Yeah, can't
1: fault you for yeah, it.
0: Yeah, I get it. Those are the two leading receivers. Those are two of the best receivers in the Mountain West. But Utah State has a third really good receiver in the Mountain West, one of the best in the conference. That would be Micah Davis. Six receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown. He also had... Um, he should have had a punt return for a touchdown 68 yards that was called back for an entirely unnecessary block in the back on Will Money. Uh, No, this was not a reason to do it. Just, out there trying to trying to make something happen i guess but really really impressive punt return even if it didn't count i saw it i remember it it counted for me <laughs> yeah. um yeah. micah davis yeah. is just really good man he's really really good um I, I i would say i don't think that i feel for him uh you know it would be the right phrase because like he's playing with two other really good receivers there are much worse problems to have but like He is number one receiver good. He just happens to be number three on a team with two other guys who are number one receiver good. Um, He's awesome. He's a really, really, really good player. He was fantastic here.
1: Yeah, I think this was probably one of his best games uh, of the season that we've seen from him. Mm. Um, Just looking at his yards, I think it's the second best. Um, He had 104 against Colorado State. He's had a couple others in the '80s. He yeah, had 82 against James Madison on only two receptions. Yeah, um, and then he had 84 against Air Force on four receptions. Um, this was a great game from Micah Davis. I, I, if we weren't getting the ball moving so well on the ground, I think he would have probably had more. Yeah. Um, but just you know, Blake Anderson, he's he's gonna take what you you can have. He's gonna take what he can get. Yeah. Um, and the way that Faison was running the ball. Uh, There was really not, not a whole ton of reason to push it. I would have liked to see a little bit more in the air. I I will say I'm I'm not disappointed because you win a game by 17 points. You do what you need to do. Um, But I would have liked to see more out of Cooper or I think that would have come to Mike, Mike Davis's benefit. Um, I know we talked about how, you know, Nevada does have a couple really good corners. Uh, That being said, you got to get the ball to your playmakers. You you have to find a way. Um, And I think if, if the game depended on it, I I like to think Blake could have found a way to get the ball in Jalen Royal's yeah. hands, um, maybe even Terrell Vaughn a little yeah, bit more. They, he had he had six receptions, but they got um,
0: and they got to him late. He had the the twenty five yarder to basically seal the game. The dam finally broke, and they managed to get him yeah, through into yep. the secondary. I would have to think that if the game had depended on it, they would have found ways to do that. They would have had counters yeah, off of what they had been doing. It's just that. I can understand, like, yeah, they, they, they gained more than 300 yards on the ground in this game. They lost nine, and so it was 292 net on 44 carries. It's so 6.6 yards per carry. Yeah, you don't really need to get to the counters when that's working. Um, For sure. I, I think if they had needed them, they could have dialed them up, but you don't need to put anything on film that you that isn't necessary, right? If you're winning the game by 17 regardless, you might as well save that stuff. Um, and yeah. I, and I think that there was some of that. I, I would agree that like, yeah, if they had needed it, there were things open down the field that they could have done, you know, they could have hit, but they didn't really need it with, with how well Davis right. was playing and how well the rushing attack was working.
1: Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. Like, I like to think that we could have got Royals in involved a lot more. Only three receptions is just not what you, what, what you need from your playmaker. Um, but you have a big game next week in Boise state and, you know, like you said, don't put anything on film. You don't need to. Um the ground game was working great. So I would have I, I would have liked to see more of that, but I see why they didn't. I think they could have if they needed to. Um but even outside of that, Micah Davis still finding a way to to just really impress. Yeah. Um and, and like you said, that that punt return was just so disappointing to have that called back. It's it's getting um it's getting really frustrating that we cannot go a single game without calling back a huge play yeah. on a penalty. Yeah, um, this there is, were several that is one thing this, one this is not common. Uh this should not be it's not something that every team deals with. It's not something that every team um you know, it's not something that every Utah State team has ever dealt with. This is unique to this team and it's frustrating. Um so Jalen uh, yeah, Micah Davis should have had two touchdowns on the night. He I, you know, he he earned that one hard he earned it fought yeah. hard for it. Um but still a great night for Micah Davis and uh it was it was on an otherwise quiet night in the air.
0: Yeah, yeah. The thing that I the the thing that I really love about the way that Micah Davis plays and about just the player that he is, is he has the the physical skills to you know to to go and and make plays. Right, he's he's a very good athlete. He's quick. Um, he he's a little bit more compact. Uh, but he's he's really strong and just he he has the ability to do that. But he is not just that it's not just and that's not to say the other two guys are Royals and Vaughn are both very well coached and very well developed receivers um Vaughn is is especially just really good at finding space and Royals is is fantastic at the point of point of catch but the thing that I really love about Davis is how crafty he is how good he is at just doing doing little things that you really don't even notice unless you're you're going back and watching the play um his his hand placement is fantastic when he's when he's releasing when he's trying to get separation before you know as he's going into his break um he's just he's really well coached and, and he's been really well coached he was like this even at air force i don't know who uh i don't know who his high school receivers coach was but he is just technically very sound he's really really good at what he does he's a great route runner um, I, I think he's a really nice compliment to have to the other two because he is just so reliably open. He's so good at getting himself open, not just with speed, not just with physical prowess, but like he's just he understands how to do it. He understands how to win those those one on one man matchups, and not just by overpowering the guy. He he's really really technically sound. He's really fun to watch. It's it's a it's a, um it's a good receiver to have on your team because it's a guy that you know, you can trust against any kind of coverage.
1: Yeah. And and this is something we've talked about kind of throughout the season. If this is your number three guy, um, this, he's a number one, you know, he's, he's got number one stuff. And if he's your number three receiver that plays with that much attention to detail, that plays that hard when the ball's not coming to him, uh, you've got a really good thing. Yeah. And, It's great on nights like this. A lot of teams have a good cornerback. You know, a bunch of them have two good cornerbacks. Not a lot of teams in the Mountain West, at least, have three good cornerbacks that can shut down. You know, their third deep isn't as good as Micah Davis. Yeah. Um, And you line up our top three receivers against just about anybody in the Mountain West, top three cornerbacks, there's going to be a mismatch somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, And a big part of that reason is because of Micah Davis. You just can't forget about him. Um, but if you plan around him, that's, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. Who's it going to be? Uh, and so when you have a guy like that at number three, um, it's, just, it's just an awesome thing. And yeah, a lot of credit, a lot of credit goes to Kyle Cephalo, I think, for the way he coordinates that uh, and coaches these guys up because uh, they, they're fantastic. They, yeah. All three of them are fantastic, but Micah Davis at three, like he's your number three guy fantastic stuff
0: yeah cephalo is very very good at what he does very very good as an on-field coach as a guy who's developing these players but also the the talent identification um i I think specifically the trait identification of seeing what guys can be seeing what they can excel at and what could be an immediate strength and what you can build around that he does a really really good job and, and he does it without, you know, top you know five-star receivers and, and guys like that. Like there are a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there are receiver coaches out in college football who can turn five-star receivers into pros, which is like, yeah, you still, there's a step there. But to, to go out and find Juco guys, uh, three of them, who complement each other this well and who are this good and this technically sound and this athletic is really hard to do. Um he he deserves a lot of credit for the work that he has done not just this season in general. He's he's a very very good receivers coach. He's very good at his job. Um yeah. the uh the, you mentioned this and I don't think I have a ton to add on it. I think we talked about the worst of the 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 worst defender of the bunch, but this was a, a, a you know a story throughout the game. Uh, because it was a lot of the game, 25 combined penalties here, 13 for Utah State worth 126 yards. That's purely in what they were, you know, the the yardage that was assessed on the penalty. That's not in what they erased. It would be a lot more if it was what they erased, because there was also, I think, a 28-yard punt return that came off the board. Tough day for Micah Davis as a punt returner. Um, he deserved a lot more yards than he ended up getting because of some penalties, but... um Yeah, 13 is too many. I mean, obviously, 13 is too many. I think some of them were understandable. Some of them were a lot less understandable. It was not a great day for Will Money. I think he had two um, both on those punt returns. You can't have that on the punt return. You can't have the same guy committing two penalties away from the ball. That's not, it's not good business. Um, some of them, you know, competitive, you get it others eh, less. So, um, I I don't know if I have a ton more to say about penalties other than just, yeah, 13 is too many. They've been better about cutting those down, uh, of late, but this was very much a sloppy game. And I I think it kind of, I I think Utah state just got sucked into it a little bit too much at, at times.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. Definitely a step back. This is something that we dealt with a lot at the beginning of the season. Uh, something we got very frustrated with at the beginning of the season. Um, and we seemed to clear it up a lot, uh, kind of that mid-season, kind of the, going into the bye week, coming out of the bye week, it looked a lot better. Big step back, I think, in that category. A lot of penalties. Um, it's something, you know, even at our best, we were still dealing with wiping big plays off the board, but uh, that's just the stuff that can't happen um i i think i've said this before on the show the only penalty i want to see is when you get blown up on the line of scrimmage and you hold somebody to protect your quarterback that's it yeah um I, I you know you push somebody in the back or you grab them so they don't you know take cooper's head off that's it you know i i'm i'm really getting uh frustrated with the the continual you know taking big plays off the board the unnecessary plays um I, i'm glad to see that there was not any uh you know, there wasn't any that I can remember and at least like late hits or anything that was just really, really uh, egregious. Um, you know, we did have our weekly tradition of Anthony Switzer being reviewed <laughs> yeah. for targeting.
0: I was going to, I was going to mention <clears throat> oh my! Yeah. Goodness. We had our, we had our weekly edition of Anthony Switzer, absolutely targeting somebody and somehow getting away with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, it's not even, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's a weekly tradition of Anthony Switzer targets somebody and the refs don't call it. And yeah. then two plays later, he has a clean hit. They call it. They review it. He stays in yeah. every single week. They, <sighs> they call him on the wrong one, <laughs> but like one of his clean hits. They take it to the board. It's not targeting. Um, but there are a handful at least of plays where where they could probably light him up with targeting. Yeah, I, I can't... want to like Anthony Switzer. I li- I like his energy. I like a lot about him. He needs to play more under control. I mean, the whole team does. When you are getting this many penalties, you got to rein yeah. it in. Um, Switz has got to cool it a little bit. Yeah,
0: I, I said something to that effect. I think it was in the first quarter where the quarter AJ Bianco was was sliding, and Switzer just comes in, guns a blazing, and and like the slide is is you know you can debate the slide and the head to head contact on a quarterback slide all day. I don't care. I'm not going to do that. That's not my problem. They can they could do that on all the other college football shows. That's not I don't care. Uh, I'm I'm not a referee. It's not my I they're they're going to call it. What they're going to call it. I'm not going to argue with it. Um but he it was it was pretty brazen, I think. <laughs> it was pretty brazen and I think they let him off because it was one of those where like, yeah, the quarter, it was kind of a bang bang play. He was already coming in. Um, But then, yeah, like two plays later, he's he's right back to doing it again, and and later on in the game, he's being reviewed for targeting, and and it wasn't targeting in that instance, but... Just a lot of plays where he does it once and he gets away with it, and then the next play he does it again. And it's like, dude, you're really, really pushing it at this point. They're gonna kick yeah. you out of the game. You gotta understand. I know that they haven't done it yet, but eventually it will happen, and it will hurt the team when you do that. You gotta stay yeah. on the field. You staying on the field is a lot more important than you setting a tone by making a big hit that's not legal. This is gonna cost you 15 yeah. yards, it's gonna cost you the rest of the game, and it might cost you the first half of the next game if you time. It wrong. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. You got to you got to remove yourself from those situations. And he's still yeah. not really doing it. He played well otherwise, but it is definitely he is one of the biggest offenders on the defense of just like unrepentant in in the you know the extra contact that is not necessary that can get you in trouble. And and he's been able to escape getting ejected to this point but like dude you're cutting it really close continuously every week you're cutting it really 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 close you just gotta chill out a little bit
1: yeah and this is that's not a penalty you want to be flirting with that's not something you want to cut close I mean I I, you know what like you gave a lot of praise to Colorado State for finding that line between holding and not holding and then pushing it (laughs) targeting isn't one of those that you want to just don't do it you're gonna hurt somebody you're gonna hurt yourself no one wants to see it um, I like Switzer. I don't want to have to sit here and and come up with a defense for him when he's getting kicked out of a game. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to defend his Spider-Man, uh, you know, celebrations. I like to be able to defend that and say that he plays with heart and he's fun and he loves the game. Um, I can't defend, you know – continually targeting somebody so don't make me do it and i I, you know i I, I also
0: yeah as a as a safety thing i certainly don't want to see him or somebody on the other team sprawled out not moving on the field which is the reason that the penalty exists it's not just like oh you shouldn't do that because it's going to hurt your team like no you will hurt yourself if you do that there's a reason that you're not supposed to do that it's because it will hurt you your head will get hurt and when your head gets hurt, especially on a football field, a lot of really, really, really bad things can happen. It's just not a good idea. It's not it's not a safe play. It's not a smart play. It's not something you should be doing as frequently as he is. It's like he's, I, I don't want him to hurt himself. I don't want him to hurt somebody else. Those head injuries... Yeah are really bad news. It's not just, right. Oh, you, you know, just walk it off. Like I don't, I don't want to see, you know, incapacitated Anthony Switzer having to be taken off the field in, a, in an ambulance. It's not a good sight exactly.
1: It's, it's the worst part of sports. We've said that on the show before and it, I'm not a doctor. And so if you're coming to the ag ship show for, uh, yeah, for medical advice, in the shame wrong on place. You. <laughs> and this is not medical advice, but I will say, even as not a doctor, brain injuries are just one of those things that we just don't understand. Like, you can break a bone and reheat like regrow it. You you've done it. <laughs> you yeah. you, you yeah. heard earlier, like you can fall and re regrow bones. Like the human body is amazing. It's not good at healing brains and we don't understand brains. Like we, we have these rules in place because we don't want to ignore that stuff. And, and it is, it, it's bothersome to me that, that sweats keeps playing that way. Um, because I want to like him, but I just cannot. I don't endorse that style of play. Yeah, speak- I, I, I can look past the extracurriculars when he's celebrating. I, I like it. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of instances, I think it's fun. Um, but he's got to play smarter. Yeah, um, play with an edge in a different way.
0: I, I'll, I'll say yeah. I have one more middle school story that relates to this because I, I was just okay, reminded go, of it by this conversation. I was not a very good middle school football player, but I did play. <laughs> um, and there was a kid on my team. I don't, I'm not going to dox the kid. I don't remember his name, um, but he was, he was, he was, a, he was a starting linebacker. He was pretty good. He, he, even in middle school, he just looked like a linebacker. He was just, you know, stout. Um, He was a pretty good player and I remember in like seventh grade for some reason this was not that long ago like this I'm, I'm 24 and so this was not that long ago. I think coaches were probably pretty aware at this point that you shouldn't be doing the Oklahoma drill but we were doing the Oklahoma drill in like seventh grade and this kid goes in trying to make a tackle and just totally spears the running back, just spears right in the chest. And and the, the linebacker, he's just, you know, sprawled out. They had to drive the ambulance onto the practice field. It was this whole horrible thing. Um, and eventually he, he, you know, he recovers. And I remember then eighth grade, he's back on the team. He's back starting at linebacker again. <laughs> we do the Oklahoma drill ad- again, and he makes the exact same play. He does the same thing, and they have to take him off the field in the ambulance <laughs> again. It's like... Dude, was it not? Did you not learn last time that you shouldn't do that? Was that not traumatic and experience enough for you to have all your teammates mortified that you might have? Like we, we, we're like, did he just die? Did this guy just die on the football field? And then he just comes back the next year and does it again. And then he didn't play football anymore after that. He played lacrosse. <laughs> the, the lesson is Anthony Switzer. Unless you want to play lacrosse, you got to stop doing that.
1: Oh my, yeah. I cannot imagine Anthony Switzer uh, would enjoy lacrosse as much as your (laughs) middle school friend would. Um, Oh my gosh, we shouldn't have to sit here on the podcast telling our football players to be smarter than middle schoolers, but here we are. Um, the The dangers of the dangers of Uh, playing recklessly. Uh, You might end up playing lacrosse, which is the worst punishment of all. It was really bad. Um, It was really bad. I had to walk around wow. school
0: with one of those neck braces like it was the <laughs> 1970s it was it was very it was not good i don't know how he didn't learn a lesson from that
1: <laughs> i'm just i i love that somehow playing lacrosse has become the ultimate threat that we mm. can muster on this show yeah. like if you don't knock that off we're going to make you go play <laughs> lacrosse for our club team um oh yeah, yeah it's bad um let's let's talk just uh, on you know on the on the completely opposite note um, where Anthony Switzer is a little bit chaotic, I just want to give a shout out. He, he's been so good all year. Um, but MJ Tafisi is just, yeah, where where M, where where Switzer's, uh, you know, a little bit uh out of control, fire and ice. maybe misses the yeah. fundamentals. Um, MJ Tafisi is about as stout as you can be fundamentally, he is so good. Um, I, I that has been that way all year. I I just want to shout him out. I I noticed it yeah. particularly this game. He was just all over. He's a Paul Hawk. He's I, so good. I, I believe um, he's just fundamentally so good. Yeah, so good.
0: Fundamentally. I believe he's leading the Mountain West in tackles, if memory serves, which makes sense because he, he's he got to
1: be. He, he was, I think, before this game. Let me pull it up. And he I had, had twelve right here. here.
0: I would assume that twelve was probably enough, given that he's been he makes twelve tackles. It seems like every single game. He's just. He's just involved constantly. He's a really good linebacker, man. He's not super flashy, but he yeah, is he's just he's yeah, just uh, always yeah. there and he's so reliable. He doesn't miss tackles. He's always in the right place. He's he's a really, really good player.
1: Yeah, he he's fantastic. He just I, I love having him. Um he's just yeah, like I said, just fundamentally. He's he's got the fundamentals down, and this is why they teach fundamentals from such a young age. He's got the fundamentals down so, so like perfectly yeah. that he can add layers of complexity to his game. He can add the fun stuff later, and he is a very fun uh, player to watch. He's not just um, oh always oh, in the right place in the right time. Like he's very very good, and he does have flashy plays. Yeah, uh, but it's just because he is so fundamentally sound. Um, he is leading the Mountain West in tackles, and it's yeah. it's by a wide margin. Yeah. He has 108. <laughs> um, after him is Jack Howell with 94. Yeah, which is that, that's a big gap. Um, yeah, because then it's like 94, 91, 90. It's it's kind of a big cluster right there with with everybody else. MJ Tefisi leading the pack. Very yeah. very impressive stuff. Yeah, and, and then it, solo and tackles like as it. well. He's got 64. Jack Howell again, number two with 80, uh, 58. Yeah, so he's he's by far in a way, or that was assists. Sorry, let me look at. So solo tackles he's not leading he's he's in the top 5 but yeah. uh, either way very 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 impressive stuff. Yeah, he's awesome. The the defense
0: in general I thought played well. Um Nevada gets the two late touchdowns. I I will I'm willing to mostly write those off the fourth quarter touchdowns there were some big plays yeah, there. Yeah. Um you know, it, it is you know you don't you don't want that but also like the one was with a pretty short field. They only went to 37 yards on that first drive. Um, the second one, you know, seven plays, 65 yards is not ideal. They had the scoring drive in the first quarter was, was a lot of, we just talked about the the, the penalties, it was a lot of penalties. It, it was, there was an unnecessary roughness, I think, on Switzer. To start the drive, there was a pass interference on Mike Onwanyu to end the drive, or uh, on Yanwu to end the drive. Um, and so, you know, those are not great. You don't want to give up those, those long scoring drives with a lot of penalties to help them out. But yeah. I, I thought, in general, the defense played well. the 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 pass defense specifically was really good. They got four sacks on AJ Bianco. Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm sold on on some of these defensive linemen who we've been talking about this year as like, you know, kinda of, kinda of questionable. Um, Blaine Spires we haven't really talked about that way. We've been pretty up on Blaine Spires through the year, but he was back here after missing last week. He's good. He's just a good player. He's another guy I just like to watch because he is so yep. he's just he's just good. He just does good things. He does his job. Um, he's a really good guy to have around. Uh Halle has been excellent. I, I think Halle has Halle. really Really, kind of stepped it up even in these last couple of weeks, which is crazy because he's yeah, been here since twenty eighteen. I don't know how he's still getting better, but Hale Moatuapuaka just, just consistent improvement as a guy who is yeah, at this yeah. point at, he's at the point of his career where you wouldn't really even expect improvement. You'd think he is who he is at this point, but he's just getting better. Um, and uh, I said as much on Twitter. I will say on here as well. Dave Fox, learn how to say his name. <laughs> He's been at Utah State since 2018. Motuapuaka. It's not hard to say.
1: I, I would even say I'll accept Motuapuaka. Yeah. If you're going to say it wrong, at least say it phonetically. And that's the great thing about about his name and a lot of you know Polynesian players, uh, which we're blessed to have many of them yeah. in Utah State. It's phonetics. Yeah. You just read what you look at the piece of paper. I know it's a big, long name. It's intimidating. My last name is I get it. Yeah matuapuaka you just read what's there it's not hard and i'm not like a linguist i'm sure there's more to it but just that's enough for like the radio and like i you know the podcast and having it you know being on tv that's close enough. Matawauaka, yeah. Hale the, that, hard. That's the thing I really.
0: You're 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 totally right about those names. And that was something like when I first showed up to cover Utah State. It was very daunting looking at the schedule and seeing all of the you know the all of the the, the Polynesian guys and their last names because I'm like I don't know how to say these. But then, if you look at the pronunciation guide for 10 minutes (laughs) and you practice saying them a couple times, you know, like if your job was to go on TV and say guys' names uh, and that was what you were doing all week was preparing to do that. If you spend 10 minutes saying Sinituiaki, or Pokesi Vakata, which, which I did this yeah. past week,
1: by the way. Yeah, we'll or get to
0: that. or Hale Motuapuaka, or what? Uh, any of these guys, or or Inokamengao, or guys like that. Just just any of them. If you just look at the pronunciation guide and practice for five minutes, you're probably not going to have that much trouble with it. The correct answer is not to say Hale Motapuka or things like that and then to joke <laughs> oh, about man. how you can't say the guy's name. He's a grown man. Give him some respect. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a yeah. really good player. And even if he wasn't, even if he was a ball boy and you're just talking about a conversation you had before the game with the ball boy, just take some time to say his name right. It drives me yeah. crazy, man. The PA guy doesn't say his name right. It's just... <laughs> It's not that hard to say. If you're having it's, trouble it's with not, it, just not. ask. Somebody will tell you how to say it. It's
1: just not yeah, that hard. Yeah, that's a great thing. Like they're not going to be offended. Like, hey, no. remind me how to say your name. I'm sorry. Yeah, they'll tell. They'll tell you. They they'll, get it. They'll like tell said, you. My last name is Valentine. It's long. It looks dumb. <laughs> you know, it's spelled weird. It's not even spelled the right way. Like the other Valentines spell it. Yeah, they um, would much yeah, rather. Ask, they, hey, man. How do you say your last name? i will tell you. Yeah. He'd much rather tell
0: you than you getting it wrong. He would. In, he's oh, yeah. he's then, a very
1: laughing about it. Like, yeah, like like, we can joke. <laughs> we can joke about, Hey, get the name right. Yeah. But seriously, to, to laugh about it. That's just bad. That's just yeah. Bad I I, like Holly is a tre- tremendously
0: nice man. Extremely nice. Very patient. He'd be happy to tell you how to say his name. Just ask. You've covered like five yeah. games for Utah state this year. Ask how to say his name. It, it's ridiculous.
1: And it, if you don't it figure it out just, soon, you're going to have a long, uh, it's going to be a long couple of years because his little brother, I think is yeah. on the team. Um, and I think he had a sister that came over for track or something. Like he brought his whole family yeah. when he came over. But um, it, ju- it just, yeah, dri- just learned how, learned it drives it,
0: me right? nuts, man. It's so embarrassing. Just say Natural his name nuts, right.
1: National guys, no excuse. Like, <sighs> you have a team, you have a whole team working for you. Get somebody to, to figure it out. Yeah.
0: If you I say it wrong the, the first time, and then you correct it even. It's like, okay, somebody told you during commercial break and you fixed it. That's fine. I get it. You know, there's in the spur of the moment, we do the preview shows and sometimes it takes me a second to sound out names on the guys opposing teams because I've never said them before. You know, in a game, you get the guy's name wrong yeah. the first time. Somebody in the production truck says, hey, it's pronounced like this and you fix it. Okay, that's fine. It's been five games. It's been it's um, been like the whole season with these guys. They just don't say the names right. It ju- it just drives me nuts. It really it does. Is, it It is. And I'm sure it doesn't yeah, bother no. the players as much as it bothers me. But like, <laughs> just not. Like, dude, just say the name right. Don't be laughing about how you can't say a guy's name. That's your job. That's your whole job. Uh, just say yeah, the name it's, right. It's
1: Ugh. not good. Um, speaking of pronunciation guides, can I? Did you notice last week on the Nevada? Um, pronunciation guide they had the state of nevada they just slipped it in there with yeah. their players names did you yeah. notice that
0: yes yeah they're very that they're, was awesome they're very particular about it it's
1: nevada nothing, apparently nothing it's, it's made not, me want to say nevada yeah. more than seeing that they went out of their way <laughs> to, add that to their pronunciation guide yeah that was awesome i can't tell if that was like elite level just like yeah, awesome football guy stuff, or if that was just annoying. And yeah. I think it was awesome. Yeah. I love that they put that in. Them. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, yeah, I, I used to think it was. I, I didn't know what they preferred. I didn't know it was Nevada
1: over Nevada. I used to think it was Nevada, yeah.
0: but no, it's Nevada. You say it with the well. A, now, if you
1: if you really want to get under these guys' skin, you call them the University of Nevada at ah, Reno, and then yeah. say UNR. They hate that. I one time made that mistake on Twitter. Yeah. Um First of all, Twitter is a terrible place to learn that you're saying something wrong. Yeah, they do. Not, they're not UNR. That's not their <laughs> abbreviation. Do no. not call them UNR. No, um, I think they prefer. They, it, ter- well, from what I gather, it's similar to calling um, BYU Provo. BYU Provo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're they don't not like it. It's not true, a fan, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, Not a fan of BYUP. They don't like that. I've, I've learned, <laughs> yeah. I've learned that over the years. They're not, they're not fond of that one. Um, yeah. Anyway, the defense I thought was really good. I, I, the, speaking of yeah. the, the lineman, not just Halle, but Paul Fitzgerald, I, I, I've, yep, I'm I, I'm sold. I'm sold on Paul Great. Fitzgerald. I've seen enough. I was concerned early on in the year. He has grown into that position. He is deserving yeah. of his spot. He's good. He's a good player. Um, I, I, I think that in general, the line played well, um, Devin Die we talked about this on the last one where oh just, just, gosh. just quiet as a, as a red shirt, sophomore safety transfer from the Juco level, playing his first season of D one college football, um, at, at reliable in that spot, just always in the right place. Nine tackles, one pass breakup, not getting they're not picking on him he's not missing a ton of tackles he's just really good he's really good for how young he is and for how inexperienced he is he looks much older than he is That there's not been been a huge drop-off from from Hunter Reynolds to him is a massive testament to Devin Dye because Hunter Reynolds is a great player. Um, Dye is going to be really, really special. He's already very good. He's he's an awesome player. Ike, obviously, is great as well. (laughs) It goes without saying. Um, Yeah, Ike was great. Avante Dickerson I thought was fantastic in the number one cornerback spot. I'm glad to see him there. Uh, JD drew has been playing really well these last couple weeks. I think he's had some of the best games
1: of his career.
0: Uh, I thought it was a good day. I thought it was a good day for the defense. Simeon Harris. He didn't play a
1: lot. He looked good. He looks, yeah. He... Again, just a guy that kind of, he's a freshman. He's, he looks competent. He looks confident. Uh, he looks good. He looks older than he is. Uh, he's put together. Um, like I said, didn't play a lot, but when he's in there, he just knows where he's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Simeon Harris was the one who did play a lot with Peely more on the bench. Um, he I think it was like 71 snaps or something like that. It was the most it's been in a while. I thought he played really well. Three tackles, one I pass thought, breakup. So. Didn't notice him being out of position very often. Didn't notice him not making plays when plays presented themselves to him. Um, I thought he had a good game. I I I no sign of Jaden Francois here. I don't know if that's an injury thing. I don't know if that's just an availability thing. But Harris took those took those snaps and did did well with them. I thought the defense played pretty well. I I thought it was another yeah. just solid back to the basics fundamentals game for the defense. And that is that steps in the right direction. That's improvement.
1: Yeah. I, I thought the defense was, was solid. Um, nobody had the night that Senny to had. No. And that is, <laughs> I mean, that is saying something that dude, um, big man touchdown. A that, that was, that was awesome. Yeah. He deserved that. Uh, he said in a post game that he's never scored a touchdown in his, basically in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was awesome. The sophomore from Salt Lake City um getting a pick six and there was it was a no doubter. Uh, it looked like the ball was tipped. I couldn't tell if it was uh, if it was tipped by us or by them. It looked like yeah. we we got it. I think we got a uh, got a hand on it. Yeah, sure S- who it was. S-
0: Switzer was the one who made the contact with the quarterback with the pressure. I don't know if he. I don't know if it bounced off of him or if it tipped off of somebody else. But the ball did not go where it was supposed to go. Instead, it went <laughs> no, to City Tuiaki, not. which was probably
1: the last guy on the field you'd be trying to throw <laughs> to. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, uh, he to gets it turbo zone as they, uh, as they used to call him at his old employer, McDonald's. Yeah. And he, he went all the way to the house. It was a house call for, for Tuyaki Um, in the post game, I thought he was, he was so much fun about it. This, this is what makes college football. Awesome. He, he loved it just about as much as we did maybe more. And that's saying something cause I loved it. Um, and he basically said like, I caught the ball and I was running to McDonald's. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just pictured, uh, four triple cheeseburgers down in the end zone and I was going to get them. And it was, it was awesome. Uh, he, awesome.
0: That's so great. Yeah. He, it was, it was such a well-deserved moment too.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, I, I loved him talking about, you know, somebody asked if he had a celebration planned and he's like, yeah, I did, but I got there and it was like, it was just too much. Right. It was just, it was just, it was too, it was the moment was too much for me to even really like, cause like that, 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 that happens more than you would think for guys is that they have the whole thing planned out for when they get to the end zone and they finally get to the end zone. They're going to do this whole elaborate thing and then push comes to shove and you get to the end zone as Senny Tuoyaki, who doesn't make a lot of trips to the end zone. And you realize... Oh no, my, I'm not, my brain's not going to do that. I am, I am so wildly overwhelmed <laughs> by everything that is happening. Yeah. It's just, you know, the really only, the only thing you can really do in that situation is just kind of soak it in. It was so great to see him have that moment. Um, It was a huge play. It was a really important play for Utah State when it, when yeah. it came, yep. made it a 10 point game. Um, just, you know, all around just a, a huge play and a huge moment for him. Really, really happy for him that he got to do that. Love to see all yeah. the guys, you know, celebrating with him on the field, on the sidelines. They were, they were just as happy about it as he was. Um, yeah. really fun moment. One of my favorite, immediately one of my favorite moments of this, of this football season oh, for Utah. Oh, State. absolutely.
1: I'm not sure what he had planned for when he got to the end zone, he he was gonna do the but great. I did, he was I gonna did do a see game. him and
0: he. <laughs> A what? He was going to do a gritty. He said he was going to do the gritty.
1: <laughs> oh, I feel just robbed that we didn't see that. Um, but I I did notice when he got to the end zone, he, uh, the, the ref basically had to wrestle the ball from him. He did not want to give it up. I looked over, uh, and he, he still had it. The ref was taking it, and I yeah. kind of looked down the sideline to watch. Then I looked back and he, he still had it. And they were still uh, – he did not want to let it go. I, unfortunately, the ref did, did get it away from him. I don't know what, what was made of that ball. I don't yeah. know. Hopefully, if, if there's justice in the world, it made its way back to him. But I would bet um, it did.
0: I would bet that this was a game ball situation for Cindy Tuiaki.
1: <laughs> I, I hope so. Um, if he actually had a game ball, I think yeah. we'd be giving it to him. We'd be taking a break from the uh, the Ike Larson game ball. Yeah. Uh, i would be a – He'd be sending to Iagi this week. Yeah. It was awesome. Ike will survive. He'll he'll do without he'll, for this week. We'll <laughs> be fine. Yeah. We'll just go pick off uh yeah, you know, another NFL quarterback or something. Yeah, yeah. you go pick you, off Joe Burrow last year. You,
0: you watch out Bart Starr. He's coming. Um <laughs> Yeah. I, I think that's uh I think that's about all I have for this game, unless you've got anything else.
1: We'll talk basketball yeah. real quick. Yeah, let's uh let's get to hoops real quick. That's all I got for for football for okay.
0: now. Yeah, good win. Good win for Utah State, one yep. away from a bowl game. Uh, two shots to do it. Basketball. Um, let's start with the men's game. Uh, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll start there. Saturday night in Carver Arena uh, at uh, at Bradley. Uh, really, really good basketball game. Goes to overtime. Utah State oh, falls seventy two sixty six. Not the result obviously that Utah State was was hoping for. But I, and I wrote in my my game notebook and and have said as much in several places. I'll say here as well. I thought Utah State played really well. I thought you know the shooting was not good. Thirty-three point eight percent from the field really cost them twenty-five point eight percent from three. They had open shots though, which was really encouraging. It was not that the offense was listless. That, it, that it, it didn't seem to have a you know a designed goal. It was not that they did. They didn't turn the ball over a ton. They had ten turnovers to eighteen assists. They could have had a lot more assists. They just open shots weren't really falling and they had some missed layups that are a bigger issue, but they were getting looks. They just didn't. It just didn't go this time, which I think makes sense if we're talking about a team's first road game of the season against a really quality opponent. I thought Bradley was also really impressive. I I came away thinking that that's a tournament team and I I, I thought Danny Sprinkle summed it up pretty well after the game. And this is, you know, this is a cliche. This is a thing that they that they joke about in college basketball. A lot of people saying like, oh, it felt like an Elite Eight game, right? Oh, that felt like a tournament game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Danny Sprinkle did not say that it felt like an Elite Eight game. But he did say that it felt like a conference game. I think that's fair. I, I, I think that that's this, fair. Is, I yeah. think this was a very, very, very valuable uh, ex- experience for Utah State for such a young team, for such a new team, to go on the road and play in this environment. And I think that it would have been understandable if it had gone really poorly, if they had not been up for this, if they had not been ready for this kind of moment. Because like I said, I think Bradley is going to be really good this year. I think Bradley is really good this year. I think they've got some really strong players on that team. Um, And it would have made sense to me if Utah State just wasn't ready for that. But Utah State was totally ready for it. They took them to overtime. They were a shot or two away from winning this game. And it didn't end up breaking their way. But like, man... I think that Utah State's got itself a team here. I think Utah State has itself a very, very real basketball team here. Oh, Um, yeah. Ian Martinez in the lineup for the first time this year. got eligibility on Thursday morning. Um, Max Ogbong Polo makes his debut after being injured, uh, uh, not able to play in the the season opener. I, I thought Ian played really well. All things considered, given that he had yep. been eligible for about 48 hours before he went out and played this game. Um, Great Asabar is gonna be one of the best players in the Mountain West this year from the sep- from the second. he starts Mountain West play. He is amazing. 11 fouls drawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just could not they could not contain him. Um, Darius Brown, I'm gonna I have a whole thing on Darius Brown that I'm gonna say in a second, uh, but I'll just say now, good um I was I was really really impressed I was really impressed even in a losing effort there were some plays that could have gone another way that they would have loved to have but like man I just physically they were up for it they won the rebounding battle they were they were right there with a team that I think is going to be a very serious contender and a good conference in the Missouri Valley Uh, that was I was really impressed I came away really 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 impressed with what Utah State did
1: yeah, this was an elite team. Well, a, a very good team in a very difficult, very electric environment. That's and that's what Danny Sprinkle means when he says this felt like a conference game. Yeah. It had, it had the environment. It had the juice. It, it it felt important. The guys on the court. It no one was treating it like a, you know, a preseason or an early yeah. season game. It didn't feel like we were playing in November. No. Um, this was a yeah, a huge game. A lot of energy. And I, I really like the way that we lost this game. Um, losing sucks, sure. But to go overtime in a game that you weren't shooting well, uh, defense is what travels. That's what they say. They say defense travels, defense is pretty consistent night in, night out. Shooting's gonna fluctuate. That's just what it's gonna do. Um, and Utah State, we we know that better than anybody from last year. You know, we yeah. had one of the one, a very prolific three-point shooting team until we didn't. Yeah. Um, and shooting, shooting's gonna fluctuate. Yeah. And when you lose a game because you you had an off-night shooting. Uh, guess what? You're not going to have a lot of off night shooting you know, off nights, uh, shooting with this team. You're just not, but the defense yeah. looks good. They, they pass the ball, they draw fouls, they do all the intangibles. They do all the, all those things that matter night in, night out, the things that are consistent throughout the season. And they looked very good doing that. Um, they lose to a good Bradley team on the road. I, I, I think a tournament team for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was good. It was fun.
0: Yeah. And, and just, not writing it off as a as a game to learn a lesson in right like going showing up and and making it that that intense a game and taking it all the way and fighting back from down you know nine points in the second half and and whittling it down and taking the lead and going through all of that like that is such a that's such a great experience to have at the beginning of the season to have that under your belt because then it is like it's so much easier to go into big games on the road moving forward because you've done it. You've been there. You've done this. You understand what that experience is going to be like. And to take it just in stride like Utah State did in this game in its first experience, man, that's really hard to do. Yeah. And, and we have a couple of
1: those coming up. I'd yeah. say. It's at St. Louis could be. And then San Francisco a neutral site in, in Salt Lake. Those are both. And then Santa Clara maybe. Yeah, Are those it's still yeah, I mean those those could be big games, you yeah.
0: know. And certainly in, in Mountain West play you'll get plenty of them. Oh, and, yeah, tons
1: of them in <coughs> conference. I was just looking before conference yeah. you have a few.
0: Yeah, and, and that is like, yeah, the de- defense does travel and, and offensively, like sometimes the shots aren't gonna fall, but they were like I said, they were creating open looks, and that's the only thing you can ask for offensively. If you're creating open looks and shots aren't falling, it's just you can just kind of write it off as, okay, that probably won't happen again. If it does, we'll live with it. But if you're creating open looks, which they were, if you are getting your, you know, your big man is getting doubled the entire game and he's passing out of it generally pretty well. He had too many turnovers, five for for grade is too many. But, you know, if you have 10 turnovers on the game against a really good defense and 18 assists – and you have guys involved, you know, across the board. Isaac Johnson had two threes. Um, Darius had 13 points. Great had 22. Uh, Ian Martinez had nine. Like, and, and and then probably two of your best scorers, if not your two best scorers, your purest scorers. Mason Fosslev and Joshua Uduji were, you know, a combined 0-for-1-for-11 or or shooting with four points, right? That's not going to happen very often. This was Mason's first road game. This was Isaac's first road game in quite some time. This was, you know, Nigel Burris has not been in this kind of environment. Um, Khalifa Sacco's never played in a D1 road game. Javon Johnson has never played in a D1 road game. This is new for these guys, and I thought that I thought that they handled themselves really well. And <clears throat> the the thing that the I alluded to earlier, my Darius Brown thing. Um, all right, so yeah, my, my Darius Brown thing is, is pretty simple, and I think it was pretty apparent in the game. Like, he didn't have a great shooting night. He was 5-16, 3-12 from 3. They were open. Some of them just weren't falling. But there were moments, so many moments in this game, the ones that stood out to me specifically, Obviously, the three threes in the second half were all huge and, and helped to bring Utah State back. But just, it felt like every big moment where Utah State needed him, he played basically the whole game. He was out for 25 seconds of, of a 45-minute basketball game. Um, eight rebounds, 13 points, eight assists, one turnover with eight assists and, and, and one steal. Um, needs to get to the foul line more. Well, didn't have any, any free throws here. He also didn't have any fouls called on him. Darius Brown is just he is such a wonderful and important asset to a team especially to this team to a team that is putting it together that is learning on the fly um I, I think that there are i don't know how many division one basketball programs there are i think it's like 353 something like that every single one of them would be very lucky to have Darius brown that i will say that straight up he would be a player for any team in America not necessarily a player in the way that he is for Utah State. You know, there I don't know that the number 1 team, I don't know who the number 1 team is right now. I don't know that they would be playing him 45 minutes, but the way he is just he is just totally professional. Everything that he does, everything that he does on the floor is right. He makes the right decisions. He's so smart with the ball. He calms guys down in big moments consistently. And the just the way that he makes his teammates better, the way that he plays defense physically without fouling, he is just, he's just so good. He is just so good, and I knew he was going to be. I knew that he and Great were both going to be really good for this team, but seeing them do it, seeing them handle these moments, they are just, like, it, it's another one of those... Another one of those things that I think can make Utah State fans really excited for the Danny Sprinkle tenure is seeing the development of those guys, seeing how good they are after, you know, for Brown, it was one year at Montana State before this for, for grade, it was two years before this, seeing how well coached they are, how, how well they handle these moments um, that's what you're looking ahead to. That's what you're looking ahead to with, you know, year two or three of Mason, year two or three of Isaac under these guys of, of, of Nigel, of Khalifa, of, of any of these guys, uh, of Josh. It is just, they're so, so well coached. They're so smart and, and they just don't, they just don't get flustered ever, and and Darius is so good at that. But there are several guys on this team who just, when the bullets were flying in this game, they were just ready to go. You know, Max didn't have a great shooting night, but I thought defensively he was locked in. I thought he played really well defensively. Ian, I would say the same thing. Like they just have, there's a veteran core to this team that it, that feels really stable, and it feels like it can take them a really long way as these young guys get their, you know, get 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 going a little bit and get their feet under them
1: yeah i think so too to yeah going back to darius brown just to reinforce that um i'm a really big fan of him but you know who's an even bigger fan is my grandma
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, my grandma who does not probably i would assume does not take the same analytical approach to basketball yeah. as i do uh, but is still the biggest you know aggie fan you'll ever meet um and i i go talk hoops with her all the time because she that's what she likes to do. It's one of life's um, great joys, man, talking hoops yeah. with your
0: grandma. I do the same thing. That's a fun thing oh, to yeah. do. That's that's a, that's a true joy awesome. of life. Absolutely. she's.
1: I'm sure she's listening to this podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know you've made it when you can just sit back and talk hoops with grandma. Oh, yeah. And and she's like, yeah, Darius Brown's legit. Like, I love, he just shares the ball. He doesn't, like, he doesn't have to score that much and he's just going to help you win. I was like, you know what, grandma? Like, you, you couldn't have really said it better. I couldn't have said yeah. it better myself. Like, he's just a guy that, He's going to help you win. And you mentioned the, his line, um, eight points uh, or uh, eight rebound. sorry, eight assists. And then uh, how many points did he have? 13. I, I just clicked away from it.
0: Yeah. 13 points, eight assists, eight rebounds, one steal yeah. and only one turnover. That's a really and good day at the office for a, a point
1: really guard. <laughs> um, that's, that's a really good line. And that's leaving a lot of points on the table. I mean, he, yeah. this guy could have had 20 points easily uh, sharing the ball. He's going to help you win a lot of games. Uh, he's good. He's awesome. He yeah. has my approval. He has grandma's approval. Uh, that's all you need. That's, yeah, I I, that's I, I good I, stuff.
0: That's a that's honestly that's a really good way to describe it. Darius Brown is a is a grandma approved point guard. He plays <laughs> he plays like a point guard should. He absolutely yeah, does. He, he, does. Is, he, he is, is a point he guard's point guard. He looks like I mean, he plays like I think what you would want, you know, if, if you're Danny Sprinkle, I think he plays like what you want a point guard to play like. He is ideal. Oh, yeah. Just just do, does everything the right, For you know, sure. the right way on the floor. Just just really, really impressive. He he's really He's a very good player to have on your team. He's a joy to watch. Um, yep. He's a he's a really good player. He's a really really good so player. Good. He's oh, awesome. There's so many guys great great as well who I alluded to. Man, yeah. just a, a handful and a half. Um, this is
1: gonna be a good. It's yeah. gonna be so fun. There, it's gonna be a good team. I think they I think that's no really good
0: mind. um yeah, and, and and the you know, any questions I think that people might have had about like, oh well, it was, it was great just taking advantage in the first game of like athletically, you know, being overwhelming for an opponent. Um, Malavi Leons is uh the defensive player of the year last year in, in the Missouri Valley Conference. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's six nine, two fifteen, something like that uh Darius Hanna is a really good defender. They brought in uh, uh-huh, Ahmet Janovic or Janovic, um I don't remember how they said it on the broadcast, but uh like those are good defenders. Uh, the the one guy's 6 260 Those are good defenders. those are really good athletes. Great offseason awesome like I said earlier, 22 points, 11 fouls drawn, 8 of 11 at the stripe, 7 of 11 from the field, 7 rebounds four blocks, three assists, and a steal. The five turnovers is too much, but this guy is just, he's just awesome. He's just
1: really, really, really
0: good at everything that he does on the floor, and I, I think he's only going to get better as well. Um, they've got some dudes on this team. They've got some serious dudes, uh, and I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be really hard to deal with for a lot of teams that they play.
1: That's that's true. That's an understatement, but it's... uh. Yeah, I think so too. They they can give you a lot of different looks. They're tough. They're gonna be so fun. Yeah, uh, this year it's gonna yeah. be a good
0: year. All right, let's uh, let's uh, unfortunately let's pour a little bit of cold water on this excitement that we have about basketball right now because we have <laughs> oh, a boy. we have a less than great result here for the women's team to to close out the Utah State talk. Then we'll do a little bit of Mountain West stuff. Um, women's team played on Friday night home opener did not go well. Eastern Washington yep. seventy five Utah State thirty nine um wheels really kind of fell off here especially in the second half it was still fairly competitive in the first half it was uh, you know it was a 13 point deficit at halftime tied after the first quarter second quarter did not go well third quarter was still like they're kind of fighting kind of keeping it within sort of <laughs> punching range and then fourth quarter just that was it they just kind of it just kind of gave out on them um it's uh it was it was not it was not a great performance here from Utah State. It was not it was not what they wanted to see.
1: No, you're being too generous, I think, for yeah. those middle quarters. You they did not uh to say it was in within punching distance is, yeah. is I think uh, unfair. Yeah. Um yeah, tied up at, at the end of the first frame and then second quarter, you're outscored two to one um that's not that's not good you're, you're yep. getting outscored 13 to 26 yeah 50 percent uh yeah you get, yeah getting you know two to one ratio there not good yeah. doesn't get better the fourth quarter as you mentioned only seven points in the entire fourth quarter you're giving up 25 just came came off the rails a little bit um they they didn't look good they, they didn't look no. good they they regressed in a lot of ways that i liked to i liked a lot of their game in the first game um, everything i liked about the first game was was taken away uh they they did not play good really in any aspect uh, um there were a couple of things that i that's not true there's a couple of things that i liked one thing that i liked and then we'll get into some of the issues uh quickly but uh one thing i like is they they showed an ability to control the pace of the game yeah uh, they weren't a, they weren't able to maintain it very well um but one thing i look at and and i'm i'm uh as most of our listeners probably know i'm a big analytics guy when it comes to basketball but yeah. first Uh, The first article I ever wrote professionally was was for the Utah Statesman, and it was about basketball analytics. Actually, Uh, That's that's what I, I I don't know. I just, I just love it. Yeah. They're fun. Um, They're, they're really, they're very fascinating. And
0: I think that they do a much better job than like football analytics. And this is just the nature of the game. Um, Basketball analytics do a really good job of describing what happened in a basketball game. They've got it, they've got it down pretty well.
1: Yeah. Um, that being said, there's one thing that I, I can't really find a good, uh, statistic for, so yeah. as good as it is, it's not perfect. But one thing I look for at, at a team when I, when I kind of do a, a deeper dive is their ability to score in the first third and the last third of the shot clock. I think that's, that's the way you can really, uh, kind of control the pace of the game. You can really push the pace or, or slow it down. Yeah. Um, this team, I, I think that shows maturity. It shows control. Um, this team did a great job of that early in the first half. This this Washington team, Eastern Washington, they are fast and they wanted to run. And Utah State was just not letting them, as you can see by that low-scoring first quarter, only yeah. ten points apiece. Um, Utah State was getting the ball and they were sitting on it. They were just they were passing it around the perimeter. They were they were kind of uh, you know jabbing towards towards the post, uh, seeing what was there, but they were in no hurry to to get that shot up. Um, that was very, very impressive. If you combine that with, uh, with just a, an on-night shooting and, and a better defensive performance, um, that's, that's a, a tr- attribute that'll win you some games being yep. able to control the pace. Um, that was impressive. They, they did a great job of that early. They lost that obviously late in the game, uh, giving up 25 points. I mean, uh, just, just <laughs> hold the ball, just shot clock violation every time. And you're going to have a better fourth quarter than they had, um, so some of the bad, um, you have twenty three turnovers, twenty four turnovers, and fourteen field goals, which means you're you're yeah. turning the ball over more than you're scoring. Um, yeah, yeah, not not good. There there was a lot of, um, that was really really bad. They got to the free throw line much less, but they did shoot better. They they shot um, set, uh, over seventy percent. I. think seven of ten um yeah seven, seven of 10. ten it's better so 70 percent, which is better from 60 where they were before yeah um they were also oh for like 10 from three last game i can't remember how many shots was, they had it was up there it was uh, like they did it not was, make any it was, yeah 13 it was 13 or 14
0: they they, they yeah they, it, it was yeah very bad they hit more here
1: um, they were four or 13 yeah, this time four of 13 better. which is a huge step in the right direction i guess <laughs> but but still you got to be shooting more threes you got to be making more threes um I mean, you, you lose like this. There's, there's more bad than good. Obviously you're only scoring uh, 39 points. There was, there was a few issues. You got out rebounded. Um, one way the, the Aggies looked really, really good in their first game was, was out rebounding getting a lot of putbacks, um, points in the paint. They were not able to do any of that this game. Um, it, it was not good. It, yeah. There was a couple, like I said, a couple kind of steps in the right direction, a couple small ones. You're shooting better from the three, um, doing a great job controlling the pace at times. But other than that, it was a bunch of steps back and, uh, that's evident in the score. You lose thirty nine to seventy five. That's uh, you're not supposed to do that. Not yeah. home. Not ever.
0: Yeah. And, and this this has been an issue. This was an issue last year. Of there were there will be moments, and you see it already with this team. There will be moments where you can the the offense looks like it has a plan that it is executing at a fairly high level. That it is that it is going out and setting an idea that it wants to do and then doing it, like controlling the tempo and, and slowing the game down and, and limiting shots and, and and you know playing defense and trying to kind of control the game that way, understanding that you're probably not going to keep pace with the team that you're playing, but if you can make them play your game, you might be able to make it ugly and win it that way. Um, I think that's a good idea. I think that they had some times last year as well where they were able to do things like that. The issue has been, and and was here as well, that that there's just not four quarters worth of offensive organization within this team right now. There's just it. Eventually they just run out of things that they do offensively and the defense adjusts and they don't have an answer. And it becomes very much just somebody go make a play ball and they don't have the players for somebody to go make a play ball because it's hard to do. It's hard to have somebody go make a play every time down the, the down the floor for three quarters. And the the movement just kind of dries up it just kind of it it stops they had seven assists in this game with the twenty four turnovers there were occasional you know spots where somebody goes and makes a play Cheyenne Stubbs was the you know the go and make a play player this time around six of thirteen shooting uh, fourteen points Sky Miller with a, another pretty inefficient night from the field three of twelve she had eleven points uh, Bridget Mulling's kind of coming back down to earth here a little bit eight points on three of five shooting Uh, Also had six turnovers. She did have eight rebounds. The turnovers, I think, are kind of a just pressing to try and make things happen a little bit on offense. Um, But there's just not, once you get past the somebody go make a play and once you get past the initial organization stuff, there's just not a ton right now of, of counters and there's not a ton of structure. And I think that they really, really need some structure here because you're seeing offensively, not just turnovers, not just missed shots and all of this, that's all bad on its own. But there is a, <clears throat> I, I think, a very concerning level of just players not really being involved offensively, like at all. Um, Livia Knapp yeah. had three points, one of three shooting in 31 minutes and one assist. That's your point guard. Your point guard's got to yeah. be more involved than that. You know, I know Stubbs can do that as well, but 31 minutes, that's just not enough happening that's not enough usage um ivory finley zero for two shooting uh zero points three rebounds three personal fouls three turnovers one steal she played 36 minutes it's just you got to get yeah, more a, out that's of that a starter you yeah got, that's a, that's all your starters starter. have to be on the board there's no that's number two in minutes the in the game yep. 36 minutes zero points you just you got to find what she was a good scorer last year for um Oh, where was she? I think she was at Merrimack. I think she was the one who was at Merrimack. Um, I might be wrong on that. One of them, I think, was. I don't remember which one it was. It kind of oh, all I, runs She too. was at UMass. U- UMass yeah, Davis. that's right. She was the one who was at UMass Lowell. Um, and Stubbs was at uh, Canisius. Yeah, okay, okay. It's coming back to me now. You're right. <laughs> um, You're getting it. But, You're like, Finley it. was... I think she was one of the leading scorers for UMass Lowell last year. Like, get her involved. Find a way to get her some shots. There's just... The offensive organization doesn't go deep enough into the game. It it just kind of falls apart when the game starts to get away from them. And they go into this hero ball mode, and it it seems like it's the same issue that they had last year that's now coming back to bite them again this year. The offensive organization cannot be compromised. There has to be stuff happening on offense. It It can't just be iso ball because this is not... I don't know that there's a team in college in, in in you know in college basketball that's doing that. I don't think that the best teams in the sport. I don't think Iowa or, or you know LSU last year or South Carolina or Ohio State or any of the teams that are up at the top of women's college basketball are just going out and playing iso ball. You got to pass the ball. You got to have an offensive system in place that has structure that can create open shots, and they just they have it at times. And then as the game goes on, they just go away from it. And it's, it's, it's frustrating to see it happen continuously. And, and then when you have those turnovers, it does things like 30 points off of turnovers for Eastern Washington. And then, yeah, the game's going to get away from you. It's just oh. a matter of, they, they just seem to lose focus sometimes offensively and then the game gets away from them and then they never find that focus again.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's a big part of it. It's, it's, this offense is, uh, scattered to to say kind of the least there it's there's not a lot of um and i I think that's probably more coaching than anything i don't don't think this coaching staff knows what they have uh with the personnel i think that the girls are talented um they've shown that bridget mullings last uh last week showed showed that really uh really really well yeah um and this week, I think Cheyenne Stubbs kind of showed that, and other yeah. other girls have shown that at, at previous stops in their career. But Miller has done yeah. it a little bit as well. That, this season, yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Putting that together is tough, and that's that's yeah. what we're kind of seeing now. Is I, I don't think this team is um, being being utilized as uh, yeah as well. And, and there's
0: still, you know, there's time to build that. There's time to build oh, some of that it's, chemistry. It's game two, it's, it's
1: game two. <laughs>
0: but it is sort of the same. It feels like a lot of the same things that I was talking about last year when I was going and watching this team play. Of just like, it seems like you played, you planned for the one quarter and then the other three happened. And it's just, there, there's got to be the the energy wanes a little bit too much. The effort wanes too much. The, the focus just kind of drifts and they, they got to stay, they just have to do a better job of staying locked in for 40 minutes. Um, it's just it's it's been a problem, and it's going to I think continue to be a problem until it is uh, uh, uh addressed more significantly than I guess it it has been. I don't know that it's just you know I don't know that you can fix that just by having competitors. You also have to have a plan. You also have to have yeah. uh, uh, you know something that can sustain you for the full game, and it just doesn't. They've not had that consistently, um, and uh, they take another loss here because of it. Time to fix it, still plenty of time, but it's you know. It's time to get going a little bit with some of this stuff. It's time to start having more answers. I, I think in game because this was a, this was not a good showing. This was just not. It was not a good showing. It was not. I think the first game could be encouraging. The second game was not especially encouraging.
1: Yeah, the second second game was definitely. Uh, like I said, it, it seemed like a regression in most uh, most aspects. Um, and yeah, you gotta you gotta adjust from this game. Game one gave you a lot to look forward to, at least even in yeah. a loss game two didn't do that. So this coaching staff, you've got to make a lot of adjustments coming into game three, uh, which is tomorrow, tomorrow as we talk, probably today as you're listening, um, and yep. you got, got to adjust. Got to.
0: Yep. All right. Let's talk about Mountain West football here real quick. Um, yeah, yeah, some, yeah, let's get through it. Some really crazy results. Crazy, as, stuff. crazy as, stuff. As usual, uh, the one I want to start with, <clears throat> I alluded to this what feels like about four hours ago, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll jump into it now. San Jose State 42, Fresno State 18. San Jose State went ahead in this game um in the early early on in the second quarter they were up 28 to 3 uh and then they close it out down the stretch this was no fluke this was not San Jose State just you know oh they forced a bunch of turnovers and they got lucky like you know it was just a matter of like they 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 did benefit from two interceptions and you know they they generally played a clean game they also outgained Fresno State by 151 yards and they ran all over them they they ran on them like nobody else has in a while. Like Kyrie Robinson, 19 carries, 200 yards and two touchdowns. Quali Conley, 15 for 93. Shevin Cordero only had to complete nine passes here. He only threw 18. He had three touchdowns through the air. Um, San Jose State, man, like I, I know that you could, you know, we could we could make this a referendum on Fresno State, Like, and part of that would be fair, but also San Jose State is playing some really, really good football right now. Some really
1: good football, yeah. Um, all I have to say, sorry, sorry to the rest of the Mountain West that Utah State unleashed this on them, yeah,
0: yeah. Hand up, this... pat, in the, pat in the chest, <laughs> yeah. that one, yeah.
1: <laughs> My <Our> bad, bad? <laughs> I don't know what we did. What did Lake Anderson do, yeah, to unleash this animal on the Man. entire conference? They I... are.
0: I guess we could kind of Very foist good. it off on on New Mexico, right? Because New Mexico was the week before. This is New Mexico's fault. New Mexico.
1: Yeah, yeah. Blame blame the Lobos. Yeah, yeah. it's not our fault. They they uh, released it on us. That's why we lost. And then yeah, yeah. Wow. They are they're legit. I mean they it's it's been a couple of weeks now. It's not it's no longer. Um, oh wow! A couple of good weeks of you know, yeah. ball in a row. These guys are good. They, yeah, they we <laughs> overlooked them. They started off rocky. Um, I think we. Greeted them maybe a little too harshly on some of those early games, and yeah. they're good. They are really, really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really good. And, and these these four wins, they're on a
0: four-game winning streak now. It's not like they're just eking out wins, right? 52-24 oh no. at New Mexico, 42-21 over Utah State, 35-0 at Hawaii, and now 42-18 over what might be, you know, in Fresno State, what could be the best team in the conference. Um, that is uh convincing they're gonna get san diego state at home this week i am gonna go on the record and say that they are going to do some pretty nasty things to san diego state at home this week i don't think that's gonna go well for san diego state and then they are at unlv on uh, the 25th for an absolute banger to close out the regular season um brent Brennan, man what a ball coach what a what a yeah. ball coach that guy is. Just never yeah. ever quits. Wow. He is so impressive. Just such an impressive program he's built there. I they looked like they were dead in the water. And I think a lot of the teams had you start, you know, you start the season the way that they did. You would be dead in the water. It'd be really hard to fight back from that. They were 1 in 5 four games ago. They're 5 and 5 now. They are still playing for the Mountain West Championship game right now. Um just right they oh, deserve yeah. they deserve a ton of credit they deserve a ton of credit for what they have done here that's a really really
1: good team they've got right now um that final wow. game against UNLV might just be immediately played again afterwards
0: yeah that would be really that good is that is that
1: is a serious <laughs> conversation we're having in this conference right now is San Jose State not only playing for the championship but being in a pretty good spot and yeah Air Force and Fresno have suddenly kind of fallen off um Wow! Yeah, what a program that they're they're rolling with up there. Yeah, props, yeah. props. Honestly,
0: speaking of Air Force, kind of falling off, man. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Hawaii twenty seven, Air Force thirteen. I'll I'll give the qualifier that Air Force was largely without Zach LaRria here. It was a lot of Jensen Jones. There was a little bit of um of Ben Britton as well. I think that I I'm gonna be honest with you, I was not watching this game live. I think that Larrier got hurt pretty early on from what I gathered. He only had two carries for one yard. Um and so they go to the backup quarterback. The backup quarterbacks are not good here. They're really, really, really not good. And uh and Air Force really with not not an especially good effort um and falls again back-to-back losses now to teams that I think it really should have pretty comfortably beaten the shine has has fully come off of what was really a, an excellent team for most of this season um on, on you know on the Hawaii side of things man what a huge win what a huge win for Hawaii they're not going bowling they're four oh, yeah. and seven they would need to have a winning record to do that with the 13th game they would need to be seven and six and so they're not going to get there but back-to-back wins in November for Hawaii after a really rough stretch four straight losses before that um including one over a team that could be playing in the Mountain West title game in a couple weeks you know they they go to they go to Wyoming next and then they host Colorado State to end the season um, good for Hawaii to to get a little bit of progress going. I think they really needed this kind of game, and and, yeah, and they yeah. they were they did it. They took advantage. They beat a an Air Force team that was struggling with a backup quarterback. They went out and they did it, and that is that deserves a lot of props. I, th- I thought they played really well.
1: Yeah, this is this is what we were promised when Timmy Chang got this job. This is the Timmy Chang era, yeah. and it is finally upon us. The promises uh, are finally being fulfilled um timmy Chang, just a hawaii guy through and through and this is what hawaii does they bring guys out to the island and then they just beat them and it's awesome and i love it yeah Um, it's kind of like what wyoming does like wyoming just just lures you into into cheyenne and then just you know gets you in their rat trap um but it's more fun to watch when hawaii does it because they are yeah uh, they they can be a very exciting team um this is it. This is the Timmy Chang era. This is what we asked for. This is what we're gonna get. Yeah. Um. Get ready for a few of these every every year. I mean, this is good. this is what it is now. They're, I think they're putting together uh, hopefully some real momentum that I think yeah. could carry into uh, next year. I believe in uh, what Timmy Chang can do out there. So this yeah. this could be really fun. This watch for this game. Uh, th- this is a, a long shot. You know, of the long game. But watch watch this game in the next couple of years. Uh, this could be kind of a turning point for what this program could be.
0: Yeah, I hope so. To do it at home too, really, really huge for for building momentum yep. to be able to do that in front of your fans fun, and and fun say, stuff. yeah, point at it and say like, this is what we want to do. This is what we're working towards. Uh, come out and support it. That's that's a huge deal. I, I'm I'm Timmy is a is a a very very good football coach. I, I'm very happy to see him having that success. Um, yeah. UNLV 34. Wyoming 14. Speaking of wheels kind of falling off, the wheels are kind of falling off here for Wyoming. Um, It's a road game against a good team, which means that they're going to to lose, apparently. Um, But uh, the UNLV side of things, this team's really good. They're really, really good. I I know I've said that about a couple teams in the Mountain West this week, but I think there are a couple really good teams in the Mountain West. Ricky White with another huge game for them at receiver. Uh, Jaden Mayava just does not look as young as he is. He's playing like a, a veteran quarterback. Back, um, they didn't run the ball super well, but they spread it around really nicely to their to their halfbacks. They had five guys with at least twenty five yards rushing in this game, um, and the defense steps up. UNLV in control of its destiny here, I, I, I believe. Yeah, because they, they get they get Air Force at home. Um, they get Air Force. No, they're at Air Force this Saturday, and then they're home against San Jose State to end the season. That's a tough two game yep. stretch. Oh, but it's tough. They look good, but man. It's...
1: They look really good they do i i gotta say as uh, as a fan of utah state a team that's been here had good seasons i i don't have the heart to tell unlv fans what's coming at the end of this season for them um but man i i sure hope you guys enjoy barry odom while he's there um what an awesome season for the rebels man this has been really fun um controlling their own destiny in november is not not something that they've had the yeah. opportunity of doing in a long, long time. This is awesome for them. Um, and they're doing it just uh, beating Wyoming, beating good teams. They, they have a really tough stretch here. Um, beating Wyoming is not easy. Now you got to go and beat, you know, two of the other really, really good teams in the conference. Um, but if they can do it, like they're they're in control. This is awesome. Good for them.
0: Yeah, UNLV, I'm going to give you some free advice here. Do not let Brendan Marion leave the building. I don't care where Barry goes. You do not let Brendan Marion leave the building. If Barry gets a P5 job, Brendan Marion is your head coach. There's not a question about it. Do not do not waste any time. Do not let him leave the city. That man loves to take new jobs. Make him your head coach before he can do that. Make him your head coach before Penn State or Pitt calls him for their offensive coordinator spot. Do not let him leave the facility.
1: (laughs) Just, just uh, do it. I don't know. I don't know where you're getting this this (laughs) nonsense with Barry Odom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, When he leaves, uh, you you make that phone call. You you get whatever. uh, It's Vegas. I I know what Vegas is like. Get whatever bouncers you have strap that guy in a, in a casino (laughs) and don't let him leave until he signs the piece of paper, um, (laughs) sealing his fate. Yeah, But yeah, that, yeah, it's very good season for UNLV. And this is the fun part. This is the good part that I will tell UNLV fans, uh, as someone who was a fan of Utah state in the late two thousands, it doesn't have to end. This can continue like this support your program. Um, and you can get used to this. This is really fun. Um, it doesn't have to end. Party doesn't have to end if you're nope. uh, if you're a Rebels fan.
0: Nope, party does not have to end. They have very nice, expensive facilities. Just keep it rolling. Just keep it rolling. Um, last two here that are both uh, made more important by what happened after these games. Uh, first up, <laughs> we're, we're, oh, we're Babe Ruth uh, stepping up to the plate back in week one pointing at the fences <laughs> Boise State 42 New Mexico 14 and Andy Avalos has been fired after a, a dominant win over New Mexico Boise State said oh we don't want to give him a chance to work his way back into this job oh we don't want to give him a chance to win these last two games and and you know if he could do that and and wiggle his way back in we got to get this guy out of here before anything else happens um Andy Avalos has been fired. Uh this is uh the perhaps the the largest win in the history of the Ag Ship podcast. We were right. This guy stinks. Uh bye-bye. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> called it I will say I did not have him getting fired after such a convincing win to get back to 500. Yeah. What a weird situation. Um this is a school that doesn't fire coaches. Uh Boise State does not fire coaches. They don't yeah. generally do it mid-season. I can't remember when they when they've had a situation like this. And to fire a guy after a win, forty, you hang 42 points. I know it's New Mexico, but still. 42-14, and you don't let him come home? <laughs> this is yeah. craziness. This is nonsense. And I think you're right. I think it's just, ah, oh crap, we're 500 again. We're a win away from ball eligibility, and we don't want to keep this guy around for another year, so we're going to do it now. Yes. Um, yeah, what I... a weird situation the Broncos are in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, this is not me reporting this. This is me knowing how this goes, knowing how this situation <laughs> almost always goes. Um, they made the decision after they lost to Fresno state. It was done. It was over. And I, I think it was probably just a matter of getting money in order, getting the people to, to, you know, yeah, get the, get the immediate payment on the buyout, make sure that they have whatever they need for the first 120 days or whatever it is, first 90 days. Um, and then, once they had it all together ready to pull the trigger just get the football game out of the way and then fire him and the football game happened to be a big win it was over it was already done yeah. he was not there was not he could have won this game 150 to 0 it would not have mattered he was done it was over yeah, it, was not a, happen. It, was it was just it was not a matter happen. of paperwork yep. the past couple weeks yep. yep yep he has been it it has been over there i think for him i think the colorado state loss,
1: honestly was probably when it was done my um, only regret is that it, it didn't happen one week later. We, yeah. we did. We, we fantasized <clears throat> about just having a, a jobless Andy Avalos wandering the streets of Logan yeah. after the team bus leaves him. Um, <laughs> that will not be the case. And, and he's going to, I mean, he'll obviously land on his feet and be fine that the team unfortunately will also uh, be fine, presumably, and, and continue to win a lot of games, but. Uh, the situation they are in right now is uh, not desirable. No, not good. Not a desirable situation to be in. Very
0: unfortunate that we, very unfortunate that we will not get the exclusive Andy Avalos interview outside of the stadium after he has been left behind <laughs> by the team bus, and oh, I'm the last no. one leaving, and he's just sitting out there. Would have loved to talk to him.
1: Would have <laughs> so, loved hey, to Patrick, sit down with him. Can Andy. I get a ride? Yeah, I,
0: <laughs> Andy, let's let's you and me have a conversation. It's um, it's
1: like comedians in cars getting coffee. That uh, you know whatever that show is. But yeah. it's it's Patrick giving Andy Avalos a ride at the hotel. See the, the team post. Yeah. Been see the comparison, making, the, the comparison that I've been making. Yeah.
0: The comparison that I've been making is um the uh the 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 scene in the book version of No Country for Old Men where um where Llewellyn picks up the, the hitchhiker girl and they go to the and they go to the diner. Um I was gonna do that with Andy Avalos. With me and him we're gonna go to the diner. I was gonna you drop him, him off at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna take him to Angie's, we we're gonna have a good time. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna tell him drive exactly the speed limit. You know, I don't want anybody pulling me over. And he's like, are you in trouble? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yes. So we um, could have had that kind of situation. We could have had it all. Andy, unfortunately, did not make it that far. Um, yeah, interesting situation as Boise State pre- prepares to come to Utah State this upcoming weekend without Andy Avalos. I will I will have tell they... you, for as anti-Andy as I have been for basically his entire tenure, I did not <laughs> think that he was not going to make it to Logan. That is a surprise. Yeah,
1: that was a surprise. Have they announced a uh, an interim yet? I haven't been on top of that.
0: Oh, I think they have. I think it's Danielson, the defensive coordinator.
1: Oh, I really wanted it to somehow be uh, Frank Miley. Yeah. I, that would have been... Oh, yeah. I, I that
0: guess, would have been something. I, I guess that Chris Peterson, Brian Harson, and Dirk Cutter all said no, I guess. That would be, that would be my <laughs> assumption. They all got the phone call, and they're like, I think I'm okay. I think I'll pass. Yeah. Um
1: um, wait, Frank Miley's not even there anymore. No, I think he? he's a, I think he's at Wazoo
0: now, right? That's where they all That's oh, where every he, that's where every former Utah State assistant ends up going is Wazoo.
1: Yeah, he just went out, He was at Boise for a while. He just moved a few miles over to Wazoo. Yeah. Bomber. Wait, you know, I'm thinking of Never mind. I'm thinking of something, Yeah, okay. He's at Wazoo. Lame. I yeah. messed up the joke anyway. Well, I'm disappointed. It's I okay. still uh, <laughs> it will still be a fun game though. it will yeah. be fine. Yep. Last one. Last one
0: here, uh, Colorado State 22, San Diego State 19. Honestly, more competitive from San Diego State than I was maybe expecting at this point. Uh, yeah. After Shortly after the game, not that shortly, I think it was actually today, this morning, as we record on Monday night, Brady Hoke announces his, I'm going to say this with the most possible uh just, just dripping with my own disbelief that this is actually what happened. I'm I'm putting the largest possible air quotes around this when I say it. Uh Brady Hoke announces his retirement from football coaching. <laughs> um he has he has been uh retired from the job and he will be retiring and he's definitely not been fired. He's retiring, he's not been fired. Everybody want to make sure very clear on that Brady Hoke has not been fired for sure. He's definitely retiring on his own, you know, volition. Um, at the end of the season, he will be out. San Diego State will also be looking for a new football coach. Um, very interesting uh, state of affairs here in the Mountain West. That two of the two of the bigger jobs in the league are going to be open at the end of this year and are, and are open already at this point, and that more could be more could be coming. I, I think New Mexico is probably going to be coming. Nevada is one that people have talked about you know, it's, it's, uh, unlv we were just joking about like, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting off season in the mountain West.
1: Yeah. It'll be, it'll certainly be, uh, more than just those two. Um, I just feel bad that Brady Hoke got retired before he yeah. got to coaching the PAC 12. Yeah. Just such a bummer. You could tell he just wanted that so badly. Um, but alas, he was, he was retired early yeah. Yeah. and will be not coaching, uh, the Aztecs next year because he was retired. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, Entirely his own choice for sure, and
1: not anybody else's. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And Andy Avalos is sitting there thinking, wait, you can do that? Hold on. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, come on. I didn't know that was an option. Are you, you
0: kidding me? You guys could have said I resigned. Come on. Yeah, like, I also retire
1: effective immediately.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd like it to be known that they did not fire me. I quit. You can't fire but me. I still, I,
1: quit. I still want the buyout money, but I definitely retired. Yeah.
0: oh man that's awesome um all right i think that's all we've got this week somehow uh, i think we're out of things now as we uh, rapidly approach the two hour mark
1: (laughs) oops Um, apologies but also hey thanks for sticking with us that was a good there's just too much stuff going on right now yeah um the two hour the marathon shows will not be continuing um as as sports kind of dwindle off you know soccer now over volleyball over um Well, volleyball close to over, you know, football right around the corner to to being over. And then we'll, we will get back to manageable times. I almost promise that.
0: Yeah, I I hope so. We'll see. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Until then, we will talk to you all on the Boise State preview show.